Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. The Cardinals did not pick up a $12.5 million option on Colton Wong in part because they recognize that the market is going to make his salary for the coming year less than that $12.5 million. Given that they made that decision to allow for the marketplace to influence a lower salary, what do you think the chances are that they then go after a guy who is immune to that, who is in the arbitration process and do a huge raise without the guarantee of him then signing long-term? With Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Derek Gould on with us yesterday, an interview that Jamie Rivers was not here for, but he has since listened to. And Jamie, he was talking about why the Cardinals are very unlikely to go out there and sign that massive big contract that it would probably require to be able to re-sign Francisco Lindor. And Lindor, of course, is the talking point right now, as he should be. He's available on the market, according to Bob Nightingale, and Bob's going to join us coming up at 1215 to further explain his report. This guy is an outlier. This guy is one of the best players in baseball. He's going to be like 27 years old next year. He's unbelievable defensively. Offensively, he's basically Mookie Betts light. He hits for power. He hits for average. He gets on base. He steals bases. Gold Glover. He's got everything you could possibly want for a player, Jamie. And when we were talking with Derek Gould yesterday, I finally got that explanation that I had been looking for. That explanation of why don't the Cardinals hand out these long-term contracts? Why are they so unwilling to do these deals for the Bryce Harpers of the world, the Manny Machados of the world, these elite-level players that are going to get the long-term deals? He gave us an explanation, and I appreciate him for doing so because he gave us the Cardinals' perspective I just still sit here today, Jamie, and I look at these elite level players and I say they're worth it. They're worth every penny. They're worth what you are going to give them because the Cardinals are already doing some of this with guys like Matt Carpenter. Now they have out years in it, but eventually they get to the 10 year contract and it basically is the same thing. They're just not getting the elite player for it. So why, Jamie, when there is a guy like this available, are they so hesitant, in your opinion, to do so and do you think that they should be willing to do so on a player like Lindor wow um well first of all good morning good, good morning to, see to you, you as well man I mean, you just nailed me with a sledgehammer <laughs> between the eyes here we all of a sudden we've got Lindor on the table here uh no look I see what you're saying because when you do the math and some of these guys that you've had for four or five years and then you reward them with a four or five year deal on the back end you're essentially handing out that eight to ten year contract for guys anyways and the back end of those deals as we're seeing some of them don't look great why not do it for an elite player I get that I I just think it's the finances part of it I really do I just don't think and it's just my opinion to me, the Cardinals are like that that poker player at the table that's afraid to put all their chips in the middle. 
They're afraid that somebody else may have a higher hand. It may not work out. When they've got four kings and they're like, yeah, they're still tentative about pushing. They might have the pocket aces and there might be another one that pops up. Whatever. I just feel like they're the team that's afraid to push all the chips in the middle and, and go for it. And I don't know if that's a organizational philosophy from the top down through the front office to the managers. Everybody understands how this is going to work, or if that's just a John Mosaylock thing, or if it's just strictly the ownership that says, here's our max dollar. If somebody outbids us, we walk away. And the funny thing is they used to do this. This was, in fact, this was the model. Was this the model under the current ownership? Yes, current ownership, different front office structure. Well, it was Walt Jockety, right? Correct. Walt Jockety and really TLR. TLR said, go get that How guy. How much do you think he helped push the chips into the middle? Tony LaRusso. TLR, Larissa. a lot. Yeah, I think? think it was a lot. Yeah. Hearing Randy talk about it, hearing Danny Mac talk about it, I think TLR had quite a bit of influence on, we need player X. Go get him. And, well, Jockety would go do it. And so credit to him. He deserves all the credit in the world. This is not to take away from what Jockety did here as a GM. But they went and got Scott Rowland and paid him over a long-term contract. They went and got Matt Holiday and paid him over a long-term contract. Now, Holiday was technically this same front office. John Mosaylock by that time was in place. But TLR was still the manager when they went and got Matt Holiday. That was in 2011 before they won that World Series. So the, and the so, same ownership, though, was willing to throw the chips in the middle because correct. Tony LaRusso would say, we need this player and I believe in this player. So that's why I wonder huh. what changed. What changed for them? Is it the dynamics of what these guys are getting? Because it well, is Maybe they don't money. have the guy that's just standing there digging his heels and going, you know what? I don't care. I'm Tony La Russa. I'm one of the best managers ever in baseball, and I want this player. And the other thing that has changed, in, in my opinion, is in, in some ways they felt like based on the 2011 team and what they have been able to do since then, especially 2013 and, and some of the sustained success that they had, they just believe that they can continue getting to the playoffs. They can get to that 90 win threshold. They can get those 3.4 million fans in the stands. And when you're hitting these metrics, the Cardinals philosophy is, well, if you get to the playoffs enough, eventually you're going to break through. I don't see it that way anymore. I think baseball has shifted. I think you need stars. Look at the teams that are winning right now. Look at the Dodgers. Look at the Cubs when they went. Look at all the Astros. I mean, these teams don't just have one really good player. They have elite players scattered across the infield, scattered across the outfield that are all hitting 300 and hitting bombs. Where is that for the Cardinals? It doesn't exist right now. So what I'm about to say probably won't rub some people the right way. And I don't really care. It's Friday and I'm going for it. I think the bottom line is the margins, business-wise, are better for the Cardinals when they don't sign players like that. The reason being is they still, to your point, they're still mediocre or just good enough to get into the playoffs and get some extra revenue for the team. And based on that, you don't have to always go for the big dog in the yard because they've proved before that, hey, you never know, anything can happen. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays, got all the way to the World Series. If that's the case, then the pot of gold, it gets bigger, laddie. (laughs) So that's why I think that the Cardinals don't push all their chips in because they're like, why? We'll just keep getting more and more and more poker chips here for doing less. And they view it as the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. 
Whereas I view it as, well, you need the part to be able to really make this all worth it, right? And they don't have that guy right now. It's the thing that if I'm a Cardinals fan has been so frustrating over really the last five or so years is, okay, so we're, we're kind of treading water here. We're, we're trying to kick this thing down the road, kick this can down the road. Eventually, you got to find the guy to transition to. They've done that in the rotation. Your next guy is going to be, at least I believe, Jack Flaherty. He's the ace of the staff moving forward. So you were able to transition there. Who's the guy that you're transitioning to on your position player side of things? Maybe they would tell you Dylan Carlson. I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't view him as being at the uh, Nolan Arenado or Francisco Lindor, Albert Pujols, Jim Edmonds, Mark McGuire. I don't view him on that level of things. And so this is where we come back to, okay, where do you find that guy? And he just became available. I agree. The guy just became available and it's Lindor and the Cardinals need the Cardinals haven't had someone like Lindor wearing a Cardinals uniform since Albert back in 2011. There hasn't been the guy, like you've been saying. You could argue, well, Holiday was there, but Holiday really wasn't a superstar when he got to the Cardinals. He was fading out of that role, and he was there and signed the extension. Lindor's the guy, and trading for him and then signing him to an extension I think is where the Cardinals need to go, and I agree. Right now, I think they would say Carlson's the guy, and I think they would say, well, look at 2011, look at 2006. Those teams weren't great. They were good. They won a World Series, and they'd even say 2019. They, Washington Nationals were not a great team, and they really they had, had only some elite talent. They had elite pitching. Their offense only had Soto, and then Howie Kendrick picked it up. And they said, "Well, look, that was just a mediocre team. They got in as the what top wild card team, and honestly, advanced past the Brewers thanks to a bad bounce in the outfield." I think the Cardinals still look at 2019 and say, "We don't have to be the Dodgers 2020 with all that talent. We can have a little bit of talent, get in the playoffs, and just see what happens." Yeah, but that's the poison. That's the poison. Uh, that brings me all the way back to uh, when they were underdogs and won the World Series. That's the poison is we can be this kind of sort of good team. And if we get in, well, look at, to your point, look at the Nationals. My point, look at the race. Like, anything can happen. We the got exception it. to the rule. It's the NFL team that looks at the 2000 Ravens and says, oh, we don't need an elite level quarterback. We've seen other teams it's do it this LA way. It's the LA Kings from a couple of years ago, a handful of years ago, last team in the playoffs, win the Stanley Cup. And and then they win another one two years later, built on the model of just got to get in to win. That Guys, that's the number one reason they are not going to sign Lindor. And especially in a pandemic time where the finances were not great last year, the finances are to be determined for this year coming year. And the finances for the year after could still be affected. They're not going to spend all that money on a player when in their eyes, they can just get in and still make money. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If the Cardinals are not going to play in the auction, and by auction, I'm talking free agency because that's what it is. You're trying to be the highest bidder for any player. If they're not going to play the auctions next year, because that's what we're being sold on right now is reset this year, we'll play in the auctions next year, right? If they're not willing to do that, and Lindor was the headliner in that market, then what's the point of the reset this year? We're going to get into that coming up on the other side. Plus, Colton Pareko is going to join us at 1130. It's 1114. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If the Cardinals won't play in the auctions, does it change your view on the reset for 2021? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Number one. 
is Francisco Lindor. I know his numbers probably weren't the same as other guys in the list. He is still a switch hitting power threat. Power only ages well. It does not go away as you get older. His stolen base totals will come down, but he's become more than that anyway. He's the number three hole hitter. He is the face of a franchise. He's what you want the face of your franchise to look like and sound like. He is brilliant. He's funny. He, he looks like he belongs in Hollywood. And I wouldn't be shocked if you replace Sigurd in L.A. as the shortstop of the Dodgers. That's how much... They love him. That's how much everyone loves him, and that's why he still is, regardless of what Corey Seager did, the number one shortstop in that 2021 free agent class. So that was Greg Amzinger yesterday on Carriker and Smallman. You can check out the full interview. 101ESPN.com is where you find it. San Francisco Lindor and next year's shortstop class, the one that we've been talking so much about, Jamie, is the clear-cut number one option. Now, he's available right now, so it's possible that whoever trades for him will re-sign him, extend him, and he won't even be a part of that class. But I wanted to play that because I do think it's important to keep in mind what kind of a player it is that we're talking about here. This isn't just some really good player. It's not even Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was a really, really good player. I would have been in favor of the Cardinals going out and signing him. But there were some at least warning trends on Bryce Harper. He was not always the type of player that his hype was made out to be. Francisco Lindor is that. Let me go through a few of these numbers for you, Jamie, just to kind of put into context what we're talking about when we say this guy is the outlier that you spend on in terms of wins above replacement. And I'm not the biggest fan of the metric, but it gives you a, a nice starting You are point. the metrics guy. Come okay. on now. Not on wins above replacement. In terms of wins above replacement, the entire list of shortstops in the last 40 years to have a higher wins above replacement in their first six seasons than Francisco Lindor. It is one player long. It is Cal Ripken Jr. Derek Jeter didn't even have a higher wins above replacement for his first six years of his career than the guy that we're talking about right now in Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor offensively is a 40 double, 30 homer, 15 steals each of the three years prior to this shortened season. Alfonso Soriano is the only other player in MLB history to do that at least three times in their entire career. In terms of 40 doubles, 30 homers, 15 steals, it's Francisco Lindor has done it twice. And then you look at the, uh, or excuse me, three times. Alfonso Soriano has done it four times in his entire career. Nobody else has done it more than that. Lindor is special in a way that you rarely see in baseball. When I say that he is Mookie Betts light, I mean it. And he's playing a more premium position at shortstop where his defense matters more than what you see from Mookie Betts in the outfield. And so... If you are going to go out there and play these auctions, as Derek Gould called them yesterday with us, this is the guy that you go out and sign. This is the guy that you play the auctions for. And so, Jamie, I say all that to ask this. If the Cardinals are unwilling to play in this particular auction, then what is the point of resetting the books this year? What is the point of going into the season to get things back to zero, basically, after the year, if they're not going to be willing to sign a guy like Lindor or Seager or Correa. What's the point of it then? Why, why do we need to see them reset the books well, from a fan's perspective? Quite honestly, from a from a business side of it, I know people hate to talk about that, but from a business side, it makes all the sense in the world. We reset everything right now. We're going to have, what, 50 or 60 million come off the books at the end of next season, correct? Am yeah. I right on that? About uh, 60. Okay, about 60. Then we go and sign a few mediocre players again couple of guys who are middle of the road, and now all of a sudden we've automatically, without really doing anything, we've increased our margins again, and we're making money 
again without even having to win more games. But that's that's the business side of things. That's, that's the business team's side. perspective. What about from the fans' perspective? Because that's kind of what I'm wanting to hone in on here. If I'm a fan of the Cardinals, yeah, and I'm being sold right now, this is a reset year. I'm willing to buy in. I really am. As somebody that follows this team, that covers this team, I am willing to listen to the argument that the best thing for them to do this year is to reset the books and start anew next year. But if I do that, if I'm willing to buy into that, I also need to know that on the back end, they're willing to venture into these waters. They're willing to go to this great degree of playing in the auctions, as they call them. Mm -hmm. If they're unwilling to do that, then why should I buy into what they're selling me on for this upcoming season? Well, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer for that. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like you just heard me. Like I don't buy into it. I, I just don't buy into it. So I think that what you're going to see here, again, is in order to recapture the fan base or keep them stimulated on the Cardinals moving forward, I think you get in the bidding war. But you just kind of fall short. Oh, shucks. We almost had... You know, John Carlos Stanton. We almost had Bryce Harper. I mean, we're trying here. We're trying here. I mean, we got Dexter Fowler, though. But we're trying here. We were close on Albert. We're close. We were, we were really close on all of these different yeah. guys. You know, Max Scherzer, we, we, we just we didn't feel like that was the right timing on him. Um, we, we gave we gave a good college try with yeah. Manny Machado. Do you know how much money we offered that guy? He just took a different deal. Giancarlo Stanton just didn't want to play in St. Louis. We no. tried. We tried to bring him here. Chris Bryant said it was boring. We lost him. <laughs> it feels like that's the most likely route. I'm just saying, right? You're you're right. <laughs> but if I'm a Cardinals fan, this is this is what's frustrating. It's it's not even so much the on-field product, although that is absolutely a part of it. That's the backdrop. But it's you watch the on-field product and then you think to yourself, "Okay, but it could all it it, it can and will get better." And the place where it could and should get better is next offseason. And then I hear what Derek Gould said yesterday. And again, I want to be very clear. This is not me criticizing Derek Gould. He is just relaying the information that he is hearing from the team. It is him telling us the team's perspective. So it's really me saying, I hear what the Cardinals' perspective is on this. And I'm like, well, what are we doing here then? What's the point of all of this? And then, Jamie, I listened to Derek Gould's best podcast in baseball. He had Mark Feinsand on yesterday. And Mark Feinsand is an MLB.com reporter. He's an analyst nationally for MLB Network as well. He does really great work, talks to all the teams, a bunch of executives across the league. And Derek asked Mark Feinsand, hey, what is the view of the Cardinals from the 10,000-foot view, right? The national perspective. And I think the answer that Mark Feinsand gave is exactly the perception that Cardinals fans are trying to shed in that upcoming offseason. Here's what he had to say about that. The Cardinals are just kind of the, the the consistency. They're that nice cup of cocoa on a on a cold winter's night. It's always there to warm you up. Uh, it's not the most exciting thing in the world looking at it from 10,000 feet up, but it's always there. And I think no one was really stunned that they made the playoffs this year. No one would be stunned if they make the playoffs next year. You know, I don't think people have them in the same uh, stratosphere with the Dodgers. Now, I don't think anybody looks at the Cardinals and goes, man, that team needs to blow it up and rebuild because they're just always, they're always in contention. There you go, boys. Right? Like steady Eddie. That's pretty much, you know, the way I think that they're going to operate is they're just going to be good enough to be good, but not spend so much that they're going to ever be great. And they're going to hope that one out of every four, five, six years, boom, they trap lightning in a bottle and they make a really good run. See, you can't do that to me because you're going to lose your 
maybe your younger fan base. I well, you said yesterday, BK to Alex, you know, you get Lindor, baby Ferrari was going to have a Lindor jersey, uh-huh. and I, I said off the air, I said, you know, I grew up with Albert Holiday. They won two World Series. They've been to four in my lifetime. I don't really remember oh four though, but. Uh, I look at this team, and over the last five years, if I was growing up watching Cardinals baseball, I go, eh, they're kind of boring. No thanks. I'll watch Blues hockey. They're they're playing well. I'll, I'll watch the Yankees, who've got an exciting team. I'll watch the, the Dodgers, who've got an exciting team. The Padres, who are an extremely exciting team. Why why should I watch the Cardinals if I'm a young kid? I don't have a sh- I don't have a great attention span myself. So I look at the Cardinals and go, oh, they can't hit the ball. Oh, it's pitching. And I love a good pitcher's duel, but I, I would not watch the Cardinals if I was a younger fan right now. Jamie. You- only thing that's going to stop that, quite honestly, is if people literally stop going, stop buying jerseys, stop buying into it, which that's going to be tough to do, guys. Especially here. Especially here. Because it's it's a way of life. You grow up, and what you do as a kid is you go to Cardinals games. It's ingrained into the fabric of our society here in St. Louis. You uh-huh. just... It's a baseball town, and we love baseball. It's why, Jamie, we can come on here in the middle of November, and the lead to our show almost every day is something Cardinals-related. This isn't the case in Chicago or New York or Boston. They're talking football. They're talking basketball. Here in St. Louis, though, year-round, we could every single day do nothing but talk Cardinals baseball, and our show would do well. Because that's how much people here love the, the sport, and they love specifically the Cardinals. I do wonder, though, if eventually people your age, Tanner, and younger, where there is a, a lower and lower and lower attention span, these things are getting shorter and shorter, and you see it with your kids, Jamie, oh I would imagine. It, it's, it's quick, right? It's not. It is now trending, and I know people are going to be upset when I say this, but it is trending in a way where it's not just winning. It's the way you win now. That also matters. And if you're not exciting while you are winning – there's going to be a certain segment of your fan base that is not interested in watching that style of baseball for 162. Now, when they get to the postseason, everybody's going to be checked in because it's playoff baseball, right? That's where it gets super exciting. But if you play a brand of baseball that is not entertaining and you have nameless, faceless players for the most part, well, then why are your younger fans tuning in? What are they interested in on a night by night basis? What are they whose jersey are they buying? What are they coming to the field and paying the, the these prices for tickets for? What's what's the real draw here? And I don't think that there's a great answer to that if Yadi and Wayno end up moving on eventually, either before or after this upcoming season. Well, you know, me this year, this when they announced that they're going to do a 60 game schedule, I was super stoked for Cardinals baseball. And then they expanded playoffs, and it got easier for teams to get into the playoffs. I wasn't a fan of expanded playoffs. The Cardinals were such a boring team. They were 500 all year. And then they had to compete with other sports. You have the NBA that was in the playoffs. You had the National Hockey League in the bubble in the playoffs. I, I'm a Cardinals fan. I work here at 101 ESPN and have to cover the Cardinals. And I found myself struggling to watch the Cardinals and more intrigued by the playoffs in the NBA and the playoffs in the National Hockey League. And then when football kicked off, I was in on that. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Jamie, are you seeing some of these texts that are coming in? I there's am. A, there's a whole lot of people that are saying, basically, I'm 40 years old, gave up my season tickets of six years, two years ago for exactly what you guys are saying. Uh, from the 314, I'm 23. I watch games for their stars and occasionally peek in on the Cardinals games. From the 618, I'm 28 years old, been watching for over 20 years in the last three to four years have made me lose faith in the urge to watch this team. It's just not exciting anymore. You know what fixes all of those things? 
Francisco Lindor. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I know that they don't want to give out this long-term contract. They don't want to pay $30 million a year. But you literally just are taking Dexter Fowler's contract and Andrew Miller's contract, putting it into one, extending it over more years. And I know that's the thing that str- they struggle with. They don't want to do that. But you add it for more years, and you get the guy that's the draw. I know. You get the guy that's the draw. It's... You're right, but the problem is these texts that we're, we're seeing coming in here right now, and it's great. First of all, let us let me clarify something. I watched every single damn <laughs> Cardinals game this year, okay? I'm all in on the Cardinals because I want to see them be successful. I may not like watching their style of baseball, but I'm I'm wanting them to be successful. And to my original point with these ages that are coming in and with Tanner's age, what, 21? Yeah. 21 years old. I'm sorry, the Cardinals don't care. Because it's a good point. <laughs> and here's my thought. What is your yearly salary? Right. Don't disclose that. But they don't care. The buying you, power. You they, don't own a big they corporation don't care now. But correct. 20 years. There's the problem for Major League Baseball. I understand. But as of right now and in a pandemic time, they don't care because they the 35 to 55 crowd keep coming back year after year after year. And the corporate dollars that come in keep coming in as the TV deals get bigger. They don't have um, an inspiration right now to stimulate the young people's eyeballs. You know what I mean? It's the carrot and the stick, right? And the, the carrot's not there right now, and there is no stick currently. Like, there, there is no reason for them to go out and do what I'm talking about because people like you, Tanner, and me, frankly, uh, we don't have the buying power. We're not the ones that they're Army. worried about. They're worrying about Jamie. I can't. I got four kids. <laughs> at college to pay for, I got two dogs. And so... Got a car without a headlight right the now. The thing that I'm going to be interested in, though, Jamie... <laughs> Is the people in your age group are the same ones that were in their prime years of watching baseball in the early 2000s and all the way to 2011. You're hooked. You're in, baby. You are stuck. There's nothing they can do right now to lose you, at least in the immediate future. I'm wondering when people Tanner's age are eventually growing up and they're into their mid-30s here five, six, seven years from now, let's say. How does that change things? I'm interested to see the trend there. If Mosellock and and the Cardinals... You know, they look at this life cycle, we'll call it, of ticket holders or ticket buyers, and that once every decade they go out and they spend. And after that, it's like, just let's stand pat. And once every decade, we re-stimulate our fan base. He's he's Jamie Rivers. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line to get involved in the show. Want to get it back into this coming up here in just a little while. But coming up next, Colton Pareko. The Blues' new number one defenseman. How is he embracing this role? And we're going to play a little game with Colton Pareko coming up next as well. That's all here on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Thrilled to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Blues defenseman Colton Pareko here on the show. Colton, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? All is good. How are you guys? Doing all right. So, Colton, where are you right now? I mean, are you in St. Louis? Are you back up in Canada? What's what's Colton Pareko's daily life look like right now? You don't have to disclose your address because BK <laughs> he gets weird sometimes. He sits up in his car. Come on. You got to yeah, watch you out for him. Right to my house, probably. Eh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, you could have asked for a live interview if you wanted it. Yeah, he just, he'll, you know, hey, we're buddies. We're on the radio. Aren't we friends now? You're like, no. Yeah. Security. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm actually in St. Louis right now. Uh, just doing a couple things here and uh 
yeah, so I'm, I'm here just hanging out, taking it easy, getting ready for uh, next season, whenever that kind of starts up. All right, so you bring up next season, whenever that might start up. I've been in these situations before, like with the lockout years, and there are times where I was unsigned free agent sitting out there waiting, and you kind of still like you have an idea of when things are going to come around. Right now, this is weird. How does this affect your your daily routine, your training? Are you even on the ice? Are you are you just focusing off ice? How, how has it affected you? Uh, I mean, kind of like it's it's mostly the unknown is kind of the toughest part. I think for everybody, and obviously, you kind of get a set date of or not set date, but you get a general idea of a date of when it could all start. So you're trying to almost work backwards from from there, but uh, at the same time, it's the unknown is kind of the tough part with with everything going on, obviously with kind of the virus and how things could, could take a turn and maybe, maybe things don't work out the way that they're supposed to. And maybe we, we are not able to play as soon as possible and then kind of go, go a month past that. But I think the best way to approach it is just approach it is just kind of go from where, uh, where the projecting to start. Uh, and then if it, if it gets pushed back, then obviously you just kind of work, work backwards from, from that date again. But so we're just trying to work back from the current projected date and uh, trying to uh, just get ready that way. How weird is it, though, right now to be in November? And, like, when's the last time you weren't playing hockey in November? Like, my entire life, I go back four or five years old, like, it was hockey time come late September, and you didn't end till spring. So this has got to be a little different for you. Yeah, it's different. Like you said, I don't think I've ever not played hockey in November since I've been a little kid. I don't know. It's, uh, It's different. Like I think we'd already be a month and a bit in into the season if it was kind of a regular year. So, kind of if you look at it that that way, I guess you're already 12, 13 games in, which is quite quite a few games. So, um, but I don't know. It's kind of what we what we got to deal with. That's what we're rolling with right now. We're talking to Colton Pareko, Blues defenseman here on 101 ESPN. Colton, we were reading the uh, the article the other day from Jeremy Rutherford talking about you kind of taking over that role as the new number one defenseman for the Blues with Alex Petrangelo now playing out in Vegas. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I saw the quote from Doug Armstrong saying, hey, you're the alpha male now on that blue line. You are the guy in that in that group. What does that mean to you to be able to now have that kind of thrown at you? Is that is that a challenge that you're excited for? How do you kind of approach that going into this upcoming season? Yeah, I think I'm going to just approach it almost as I do every other year and just make sure that I, I'm ready for for my best year yet uh, coming forward. And I, I think the beauty of it is that we have a good team around us that uh, we all play well together. And uh, once we get out there, it's, it's all going to be good. And, the way that we play together, it uh, it all makes sense when when it all happens. So, um, I think it, it's obviously a challenge. Uh, it's it's exciting, but uh, there's uh, there's a reason why you want to just keep keep getting better and building and moving forward. And I think the biggest thing is just continue to get better and um, just make sure that I'm I'm my best every night and just be consistent with it and um, just put my best product out there every night to uh, just help the team be successful. All right, big boy. So you're at the age now where this is your chance to step into the most important role you've had to date. Okay. Now I know that when I came in the league and you know, you absorb things in your younger years and you try to learn things from like, for me, it was Al McInnes and Nick Lidstrom and Chris Chelios and guys like that were, I really picked up a lot of things. And then when it came time to pass that knowledge on to younger players, you do it. 
you're in a situation right now where it's your turn to take the ball and run. What is some of the most important things you learn from guys like Alex Petrangelo and Jay Bowmeister, guys who are going to no longer be with the team, but certainly had a big part in your development? I think just the way that they approach the game for me is the biggest thing. Just being a pro, essentially, um, you kind of watch these guys kind of just off off the ice is, is the main thing. I think my ever since I first came to St. Louis five years ago, I've trained with Petro every single summer, um, and just the way that he trains and the way that he kind of goes about his, his summer to even just get ready for the, the upcoming season was kind of an eye opener my first year and it kind of got me got me ready almost in a sense for my first year and um, so it's 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 cool to just kind of pick, pick their things pick things away from the rink as well I know it's easy to talk about the honest things how good these players are you every single game I feel like I'm learning something something new of or something to use about on ice but um, I think the biggest thing is just the way that they approach the game away from the rink. And I touched on the summer, how, how dedicated they are to, to just be prepared for, for a full season. And then uh, just the way that they go about in season two, how they, how they carry themselves and um, they show up and they're, they're consistent players. And I think that that's one of the biggest things. And one of the things that I want to continue to work on is just making sure that I'm consistent and um, putting out my best product as much as possible. And that's, uh, that's uh obviously a good challenge and i think that that's uh, very important yeah let's isolate your performance just for a second here because i think it's easy to tell like on paper you're what six five six six you're in great shape you skate as fast as good as anybody in the nhl you've got a great reach you close out guys defensively you've got an active stick all of these things you've got a cannon for a slap shot so now what's next for colton pareko what's one part of your game that you would really love to evolve or that maybe you haven't had a chance to show that you have yet? Just be aggressive and assertive with everything. I think it's one of those things where just know, know that you're going to make the right play or know that the play that you're, you're thinking of making is the right one and just stick with it. And sometimes you get caught being a little hesitant or things like that. But um, I think just for our whole team and in general, but, but for myself, just being aggressive and, and just knowing that, um, you're there and you can stick with stick with those players. You can make it happen. And um, you've been doing it for a while. So um, you're right there. You're, you belong to uh, be aggressive and get the pocket, whether it be aggressive in the D zone, trying to get the puck from guys or being aggressive in the O zone and finding the right spots too. And I think just finding the right timing for, for getting in, jumping in the O zone, finding the right time to join the rush. Um, just good reads. And I think that over the years, uh, just the ability to be put in a lot of situations over the years, I think I've been pretty fortunate that, I've had a lot of special teams with power play, penalty kill, and then obviously a lot of even strength time that uh, playing through those scenarios gives you a lot of confidence to uh, succeed in them when you do it again. So that, that's been huge. And so just taking everything I've learned basically and just making the best product and, and uh, making it happen. Blues defenseman Colton Pareko joining us here on 101 ESPN. Colton, you mentioned everything that you've learned over the years. I'd be curious, what is it that you're going to take away from your experiences with Alex Petrangelo? I mean, I I can't imagine for a guy like you who came in as such a young player learning from Petro, what are the things that now you're going to look back on that you've learned from him that you're going to implement into your game and hopefully you, you carry forward moving forward? What are the biggest things that immediately come to mind for you with that? Uh, I mean, first off, I think just the person he is and the person he's been kind of towards me as a teammate. I think it's uh, he's been uh, tremendous. Uh, just getting to know him, being a friend, obviously, and obviously we're we're going to be friends for forever. But just uh, the way that he learned or went about the game, 
uh, kind of like touched on earlier, uh, the way that he kind of came to the rink, did his thing, he kept it loose. Um, was was good to be around in the room, uh, but it's it's easy to say all the on ice stuff. It, you kind of watch this guy every practice and every every game. It kind of he he has something new every practice or game. That you're like, wow, that was that was impressive. So uh, I guess I'll miss watching him do uh, just be just be a great defenseman. I guess as, in general. All right. We got a game we're going to play with you here, buddy. I told you we like to have some Let's fun on here. So the business yeah, side perfect. now, okay, business, we're putting it over. We're done with that. And we got a little game okay. we play here on Fridays. And it's one's got to go. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but we're going to give you three or four things, and you've okay. got to get rid of one of them. And then uh, you okay. got to back it up, though. You can't just say it's got to go. No, you got to back it up, okay? you got to sell really? me okay. and BK on why you're getting rid of it. Huh, Okay. All right, don't be afraid. Let's see how it goes. Hey, you're the alpha guy now, okay? We should be afraid of you. (laughs) Let's make it happen. All right, here we go, BK. All right, so let's start out with some bar foods, Colton. You've got four options here, and as Jamie said, you got to get rid of one of them. You get to keep the other three. Bar foods to start things off. Pizza, wings, burgers, or nachos. You've got pizza, wings, burgers, or nachos. One's got to go, Colton. I'm going nachos. I, uh... I think burgers are just way too good. Obviously, you get a good burger. There's nothing like that. You got the wings. What's better than a nice salt and pepper wings with a little hot sauce or something like that? That's like, even if I'm, that's my appetizer no matter what, sometimes wherever I go. Uh, and what was the other one? The uh, pizza. Pizza. Pizza, you can, too many, too many varieties of pizza. Nachos, you can, I can make nachos at home, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, that's, so here's that's why that that's why that one's going. So here's where why nachos is going for me. Okay, which by the way, nachos okay. has to go. And, and if I'm okay, at a bar perfect. and I'm having a few beers, right? Pizza's easy yep. with beer. Wings, it's fine. Burgers, it's fine. Nachos with beer and hang. I feel like I'm going to have cheese sauce in my eyebrows all over the front of my shirt <laughs> uh, because God knows I'm not just having one beer at the bar. We know we're you know knees deep in them no, at this you, point. You don't. You don't no. have just one. Jamie. No, it's illegal <laughs> to have just one. In fact, it's a state law in Missouri. But um, yeah, so nachos got to go. It's the clear-cut answer. There is no other answer here. The nachos are the ones that has to go. You guys have given all the explanations as to why here. All right, next one up for you, Colton. You want to give this one, Jamie, or you want me to give it for him? Yeah, we'll go. I'm a sweet kind of guy here, right? So we'll go with desserts on this one. Uh, we got, okay. Yeah, we got cake. We got cookies. We got brownies or just pie. I guess just any pie. Yeah, everybody's got a different choice. You yeah. know, I hate the sweet potato Ooh. pie, but you can go with whatever kind you, you know particularly what? In like. In theme, we'll say pumpkin pie okay. this time. Okay, so cake, cookies, okay. brownies, or pumpkin pie. Okay, definitely not cake. Cake is just too good, uh, especially the ice cream cake. Um, brownies are staying for sure. It's either between cookies or, or pie. I'm not a huge pie fan. I don't know. I've just never... Never really been. I don't know if I never really had it growing up that much, or but I, I gotta say pie. I don't know. Cookies are always never can't go wrong with like a nice fresh chocolate chip cookie out of the oven. I That's always knew Colton Pareko was a smart man. Oh, I always knew come it. On. I told you, Jamie. I'm, I'm pie, pie is the clear cut. Gotta go. It's well, gotta go yeah. on this. Okay, maybe in this one it is okay with cake, cookies, and brownies. I'll say that. Yeah, but oh, before BK, he had like. BK hates Thanksgiving, by the way. Okay, Colton? He hates Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think it's he overrated. Hates pumpkin pie, hates turkey. The family's great. The food itself is. Why are we doing it on one, a one off? Why are we having why this you gotta one hate time? It so much? Otherwise, just, we'd have it all the time if it was so great. Just enjoy it. But, anyways, yeah, the pie's going for me, too, on this one. 
I'm good with that. I like it. Next one up for you, Colton, and we're not trying to get you in any trouble here, but beer, wine, liquor, or seltzers? We're going alcohol edition here. (laughs) Beer, wine, liquor, or the seltzers? Which one's got to go for you? Uh, Probably seltzers, I'm thinking. Yes! I don't know. It's always nice to have a beer on the patio on a nice day or a nice warm day or something. I don't know. I think the seltzers is... They don't really appeal to me that much, I guess. You know what? Absolutely, okay? I've had this battle with my co-hosts in here several times, and I'm like, I feel like when I'm drinking a seltzer, it's like a bad diet soda (laughs) that I shouldn't be drinking. (laughs) It's easy, though. I mean, a random Thursday afternoon, evening, you get home, and you you, you crack open... Sure, but this or is wine. How about a nice glass of wine? Show some See, class. That's the one PK. that's got to go for me. You nice, know, I'm not that classy. Nice glass of wine with dinner. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Maybe a whiskey later yeah. on. You got the boys over playing yeah. some cards. Hey guys, want a seltzer? They're getting up and leaving. BK. <laughs> Nobody's leaving because they have their significant <laughs> others from them, and you know that the answer is going to be yes from at least a few people. In that I room. said it was a boys' night out. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, last one, Pranks. I got this for you. This is, we'll call this the Canadian version of it, okay? okay. So one's got to go. Poutine, ketchup chips, all-dressed oh, chips, man. or salt and vinegar oh. chips. I Come know, on. buddy. I know. Come on. I don't know. You, Come on. Don't is sit on the fence. only Canadian? What's that? Is salt, and, salt and vinegar only Canadian? No, we've got those. No, here in but the that's States. a big thing. Like you know, in Canada, you got okay. the salt and vinegar chips. They tried yeah. to steal oh, it from yeah. us down here. But anyways, okay. Oh man, ketchup is so good, and same with the all dressed is number one chip. Maybe going, so that got to stay. Poutine, I don't really. I haven't hadn't had poutine probably for ages. But when you do have a good poutine, there's nothing like it. Oh, especially Wait, after a night I out. Say, I would say, the, I would almost say the ketchup chips. Like because I love the salt and vinegar chips too. I don't know. It's almost just between the chips, and I think salt or uh, ketchup is my third. Did you say you haven't had poutine in ages? I just assumed that that's what all Canadians had for like a Have you seen this guy's body? (laughs) I guess that's fair. Poutine doesn't go near this guy. You see my body? (laughs) He's talking about the chips. Yeah, poutine is my like once a week. Look at this body of a god you're staring at. No, I, I mean, yeah, I don't even know the last, but if you, if I get my hands on a poutine, that's deadly. Those are so good. I haven't had one for a long time, though. They are so good. But I, you know what? I think ketchup chips is kind of the only one that's, that's got to go, I guess. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I love all dressed chips, salt and vinegar chips. I'll eat them until my lips are bleeding, pretty much. Yeah, yeah poutine's never going to go. And ketchup chips, like, unless you're just in the confines of your own home, Again, I have problems with like getting it like in my eyebrows, all over my face, on the couch. It's just, it's a little too messy for me, big boy. Yeah, I'm with you. I just hate ketchup, so I I've never had ketchup chips, but I'm assuming I would not enjoy them <laughs> based on the fact that I don't like ketchup. Good. They're good. They're just the the worst yeah. of the best right now. Exactly. Touche. Yeah, I'm with you there. Colton, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for joining us on our shenanigans today. We always appreciate it. All the best to you and the family, man. Fun stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care, big boy. got it. That's Blues defenseman Colton Pareko joining us here on 101 ESPN. Next time, I am going to listen to the questions that Jamie asks. (laughs) And uh, I will try my best not to re-ask a question that Jamie just asked.
Yeah. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. Best I, part like, is he, I, he did. He gave you a little smack. I, he should have. He should have just smack. said, do you realize that Jamie just asked me that exact same question? And in fact, I asked it better. I, I was trying to get these one got to goes. <laughs> I, you absolutely, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that you did. <laughs> Jamie, to, to kind of peel back the curtain here of what just happened. <laughs> Jamie was asking his question and I knew that he was going to ask the next question. And first of all, should have been listening. That's on me. Second of all, I was putting together some of these one got to go, making sure that we were ready to go for some of the questions for him there. So I was putting those together and I heard his answer and there was a clear jumping off point for me to ask a question that I actually was really interested in. I felt like it was a really good question. And it was so good that Jamie had just asked and it had been answered. So I apologize to Jamie, to Tanner, to you, the listener, that I just did that. I'm, I will well, be better. How about Colton Pareko? I, I sincerely apologize to him. I, I hope you let him know that I, I will be better next time around. He listens. He, he heard you. It's going to be hard not to be better. My <laughs> God, what an idiot I am. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Huge thanks to Colton Pareko for hopping on with us today. Coming up next, we got a glimpse yesterday, Jamie, into the difference between the Cardinals and all of the other contenders in the National League that we talk about so often. Yes, it's exactly what you think it is. We'll talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Well, here's what I I know. Even without Colton Wong, I think I I know they're still going to be a pretty solid defensive team. They they may not be stellar, but I still think they're going to be solid in that regard. At least I think I know that. You don't know then. Uh, Damn it, I don't know. You said you think you know. Is there anything? Okay, here's what I think. I I think we know the bullpen's going to be good next year. That's the only thing. That was the fast lane the other day, talking about what we actually definitively know about the 2021 Cardinals. And frankly, the answer was there's not a whole lot. Maybe you could say the bullpen, but it's hard to know with certainty exactly what this team is going to be going into next year. And Jamie, last night, as I saw, and I'm not going to pretend that I was watching them, but as I saw what the reveal was for the Silver Slugger Awards, it put in plain terms for me what the difference is, again, between the Cardinals and the real contenders in the National League. And it's the certainty in their lineup. The Braves had four winners of the Silver Slugger Awards. They had Darno, they had Freeman, Acuna, and Ozuna. The Dodgers had one in Mookie Betts. That was a clear-cut known going into the season. And let's be honest, they might not have won the Silver Slugger, but they had a pretty big known when it came to Corey Seager, when it came to Justin Turner, when it came to Bellinger, a bunch of their guys in the lineup. Their lineup was a known going into the season. And the Padres had two Silver Slugger winners in Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. It was a known for them that the left side of their infield, in particular, was going to be really, really good at the plate. Okay, so for uh, new baseball experts like myself, uh, what exactly does the Silver Slugger Award, what encompasses everything in there to get that? It's the best offensive player at any position in your league. So, so like a gold glove, but on the offensive side. Exactly. So okay. you've got the gold glove for defense, you've got the Silver Slugger for offense, and they give these awards out to the best player at each position offensively in any given year and so these were the vast majority of the winners came from one of three teams and it's no surprise that when you go back to the playoffs who were the three teams that really realistically had any shot of representing the national league in the world series it was the braves the dodgers and the padres and those are the three teams that clearly had the real threats in their lineup 
What's the difference between the Cardinals and these teams? Well, it's not hard to find. It's this. It's watching on on last night and seeing, oh, we've at least got a bunch of candidates for Silver Slugger Awards. The Cardinals didn't. They had one, really. Paul Goldschmidt. And he's going to be the guy consistently that gives you that threat in your lineup. But he was the only one that would have even been in, in any sort of consideration for an award like this. Meanwhile, for the Gold Glove Awards, they had everybody consideration for that, right? And so this is the difference between them and the other contenders. They don't have that offensive upside. They don't have the guys that bring certainty to the lineup going into next year. And so why are we talking so much about these options that they have in free agency to improve the lineup? It's because of this. It's because you look at them and you try to compare and you learn lessons from your competitors And your competitors are very clearly building a certain kind of way. The Cardinals are going the opposite route. Zigging while others zag isn't necessarily a bad thing, but now you're even losing a little bit of that if you don't bring back Colton Wong, if you don't bring back Adam Wainwright, and if you don't bring back Yadier Molina. So learn a lesson from these teams, whether it be going into next year or the year after, either way, learn a lesson from these teams, and you've got to be able to build in more certainty in that lineup the way that the Braves did last offseason with Darno and Ozuna, the way that the Dodgers did last offseason with Betts, the way that the Padres did a couple of years ago with Manny Machado. I don't care how you get them. Trade, free agency, developing from within, I don't care. But you've got to find a way to get that guy. Would you revisit Ozuna if the National League says the DH is back and it's going to be for good? Are you asking me or I'm am I putting you. on the Mo Bowtie right now? No, no, no Mo Bowtie just yet. I'm asking you because I look at this and I see the season he had last year and I look at the seasons he had with the Cardinals, which may have frustrated some people, but they weren't bad. They, they weren't bad. Heck, we would have loved to have the bat in the lineup last year. Uh, so I look at that and I go, okay, so we're talking about Jock Peterson. Mm-hmm. Why not talk about Marcelo Zuna? Me personally? I wouldn't have an issue with it unless the the cost becomes exorbitant. And I was listening to that best po- uh, best podcast and baseball podcast the other day with Mark Feinstein, and he said he thinks that Marcelo Zuna is going to be viewed as the fifth best free agent on the market this offseason. There's a clear cut top four. It's Bauer, it's Springer, it's Real Muto, and who am I missing? LeMahieu. LeMahieu is the fourth. And then the fifth guy in his mind, according to most of these teams, and those are all like tier one guys. And then tier two starts with Marcelo Zuna. If he's going to get like a three-year, $60 million deal, I'm probably not giving him that, me, myself. If we're talking about a one, maybe a two-year deal, though, Jamie, for $10, $15 million a year, that I would be I very interested in. But I, the year he had now and I agree. All that. I think he's going to get paid long-term. And so for that, given what we know about what we've seen from him in the past and some of the uncertainty with what kind of shape is he going to show up in? What's the health going to be like for him? I probably wouldn't go long-term for him. He would not be my choice. Do you think he's going to get 20 million in, in a, in a, we'll call it a pandemic free agency. I don't know. I don't know what to like, expect. What is John Peterson looking to get? Probably eight ish. Something it? like that. All right. So there's a significant he, difference financially. Yeah. All and right. Jock, I would imagine probably accepts a one year deal. This let, let's have this conversation really quick, Jamie. If you're the Cardinals, is there any upside to signing these one year deals? Or do you want to, if you're going to take advantage of the market this off season, I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, there's going to be so many great one year deals out there. Ready for the, ready for the taking. Isn't it better to go two or three? If you're going to get a lower AAV this offseason, average annual value, the salary is going to be lower. If you're the Cardinals or one of these other teams, 
isn't the actual upside to those deals making it a two or a three year deal? So that way, even whenever things are going back to normal in a normal offseason, now you've got the guy that would in that offseason. So next year, get seven, eight million dollars. You've already got him signed up for two to three million dollars. So if they sign Jock Peterson, I would actually say don't do a one year deal with him. Get him for two or three years. Get him under contract while there's this pandemic going on when he doesn't have that upside salary wise. Get him locked up, not long term, but for the next couple of seasons as opposed to on a one year deal. You know the problem with that is? What's that? Player's not going to do that. Mm, Why would the player do that? I'm just saying, like, if I'm sitting there as Jock Peterson. Why the heck would I give my why would I sell myself out for the second year where if I have a good year with whoever team X, Y, or Z and then I'm a free agent again and the financial cycle has gotten better and we have fans in the stands and things well now I have a chance to hit the jackpot. Do we have any certainty that next year is gonna be better? No, we don't. We don't. But I tell you what, things are trending, at least by what we hear, things are trending that at least by the end of next season and going into twenty twenty two they should be a little more normal than they are. Let me clarify. Not talking pandemic. CBA. Are we sure that going into next offseason, there's going to be a lot of teams that are looking to spend, given what the uncertainty is about what the offseason is going to look like with the new CBA negotiations? Yeah, I think teams are going to spend. That's they right. have to. They have to put a baseball team together. And if Jock Peterson goes out and has a good year, then he's got nothing to worry about. But if he locks himself into a two-year deal... And he has a fantastic season. Now he's locked into a, a below market deal. And it might, for some players, they don't care, right? But the agents, they get in their ear and they just chirp, 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 chirp. And the baseball players union get in their ear. Don't you dare take that to your deal. Don't you dare because we need to keep pushing this market upward. We all have to get paid more. So it's tough for these guys. I think you're right. I think that's going to be the way that it goes for the vast majority of players. I do think there will be some exceptions. I think there will be some players out there, and I don't know who they are, and I don't know if they would be players that the Cardinals would be interested in or that would upgrade the Cardinals roster currently. I think there would just be passengers. Possibly. A guy takes a two- or three-year deal right now because he's like, hey, I'm not the greatest player, but they're offering me a two-year deal. I'll jump all over it. It's probably not your difference maker. No, but I don't think any of these guys that we're talking about are difference makers. Like, even Jock Peterson can help the Cardinals, certainly. I think he makes them better. If he can't, why are we talking about him? I don't think he's a difference maker, though. I mean, the difference makers on this market are the top, like, six, seven guys, maybe. Um, And the Cardinals, I don't think, are going to be in the market for any of them. Well, let me ask you, do you think it's possible... I think what we'll see a lot of this year is I think a lot of one-year deals with maybe a player option attached because then it's, you know, I get the one year, and if I play well, then I can get back into free agency, and if I stink, okay, well, then I can take the money and stay there. That's what that's what I think will happen. Yeah, teams are going to be very careful with that, though. They're going to have the wording done just right to where if he doesn't have certain markers that he hits throughout the season, then they also would have the option of walking Mutual away. Mutual options. Yeah. So no team is going to say, well, sure, yeah, we'll just give you every option. Yeah, we'll give you full control. Here's the checkbook. No, they're not doing that. They're going to say, if you don't get this many plate appearances, you know, whatever they set for their, their benchmarks, then they're going to be able to walk. It's twelve eleven. your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's talk a little bit more about this coming up next with Bob Nightingale. What does he foresee from What does he foresee from the offseason? How long is it going to take before we actually start seeing any sort of moves? And of course, Bob Nightingale was the one yesterday that had the report that Francisco Lindor is officially on the market. Does he view the Cardinals as a team that might get into consideration for that? We'll talk to Bob Nightingale about all of that coming up next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Frog. Alex is not here. And Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Excited to go out to the Brown and Crippen celebrity line to be joined by Bob Nightingale. He's a USA Today baseball insider. You can give him a follow on Twitter at B Nightingale. And if you were reading his Twitter yesterday, Jamie, he had the report that Francisco Lindor rival teams have been informed is officially available via trade this offseason. Bob, let's start there for you today. What can you tell us about the latest with Francisco Lindor's availability from the Cleveland Indians? Well, just as they're telling teams that, hey, they're moving him, uh, no ifs, ands, buts about it. And, uh, you know, they want to do it before opening day before they have to give him a paycheck. He's going to make over $20 million, maybe, you know, $21 million this year. And, of course, he's a free agent. So, obviously, the names that, you know, the teams that jump out the most are the New York clubs because they have the money, particularly with the Mets. The new owner, Steve Cohen. All right, Bobby Boogie, what would inspire teams to go out and, and trade for Francisco Lindor if they didn't have an extension in place? Well, just with the belief that, you know, he'll uh, he'll like it so much there and do it. I mean, the Cardinals obviously did that with Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, you know, they did with a bunch of players, holidays, you know, on and on. So as, as long as you have faith that, uh, Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make it so nice here. The guy's not gonna leave. You know, you go ahead and uh, pull the trigger. All right. So for a guy like Francisco Lindor, Bob, and I know this is this is all very hard to project right now, given all of the uncertainty that surrounds not only baseball but everyday life for all of us right now. But for a player like this, if a team were to try to get an extension done, even potentially before next season. What kind of money, what kind of term do you think we're talking about? Are we looking at like 10 years, $300 million, or what What range are we kind of looking at for a guy like Lindor? Yeah, we saw Luka Betts at 13, at 365, and teams now add more years on just so it's less uh, money per year as far as the electric tax purposes. Uh, I mean, Cardinals are way below the luxury tax anyway, so it's not that big a deal, but you don't know what the, the CBA is going to uh, be. So yeah, I would think maybe a uh, you know a twelve-year deal uh, for you know for probably at least three hundred million dollars, considering this guy's uh, his talent, his charisma, and everything else. Bob, if we isolate the Cardinals lineup and their prospects and what they have in the organization, what do you think realistically it would take John Mosellock to to acquire Francisco Lindor from the Indians? Well, you'd have to give up a couple top prospects. I mean, granted, his value has gone down just because of the uh, pandemic. And, you know, the, one of the great things about Lindor is it attracts fans, you know. So if you have a limited amount of fans you can bring in, you know, it lessens the value too. So I would think, a, uh, you know, like two of the top, you know, ten prospects uh, would get it done and throw a bat in there in, in the sense that a uh, – you know, Cleveland's offense is, is really struggling. They don't need pitching. They need offense. So, Bob, I we're talking to Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball insider here on 101 ESPN. 
Have you heard any rumblings about the Cardinals potentially being interested in Francisco Lindor? And I don't mean maybe I should clarify that because every team would like to have Francisco Lindor on their team. He's he's just a fantastic baseball player. Have you heard any rumblings about them being a realistic match in a trade for Francisco Lindor? You know, I haven't just because they've been pretty public how they want to lower payroll. And, uh, you know, you can't lower payroll by bringing a guy like Lindor who's going to be making $20 million uh, and plus. And where he's, you know, where you saw him tip her hand, but not bringing Colton Long back at, at $12 million. So it's hard to foresee that. I don't think the Cardinals would be a real long shot. Bob, if the Cardinals were to acquire a player like Francisco Lindor, uh, you know, how much does that solve some of their current problems? Because obviously we know they got great pitching, uh, great defense now. That defense will be without Colton Wong and without Yachty and without Wayno. At least for the moment, those three are not on the roster. Francisco Lindor comes in, he addresses some needs, but how much of a difference do you think he can make for this team? Well, it's only a difference maker. You know, and then you, you know, slide the young over to second base, uh, you know, something like that. So, no, he's, he's definitely a, a big difference maker. And, a, uh, uh, you know, I, I would think it would vault, you know, the Cardinals to, uh, you know, the NL Central favorite, you know, which right now is, you know, wide open anyway. They you know, maybe the favorite you know, with or without him. But certainly he's he's a type of guy you build around. I mean, we just saw what the Dodgers did when they got Mookie Betts, what a different teammate. Bob, do you think that, or maybe let me ask this way, who do you think are the contenders right now to trade for Lindor in your mind? Well, I would think the uh, the Yankees, the Mets, Mets more than the Yankees, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Those three teams jump out. Uh, the Dodgers tried to do it last year. Uh, fell short, so they pivoted and went after Mookie Boots. So, uh, yeah, but I would think those three teams more than more than anybody. Uh, you know, the White Sox have a guy in Tim Anderson. He could slide Anderson over to second base. But I think they'd rather spend money on, on pitching than, than offense, and their offense was just fine last year. Do you expect that whoever trades for him is going to give him an extension the way that we saw with Mookie Betts, or do you think this is a situation, and would the expectation be for that team that he will then hit the market after the upcoming season? Well, I think you could be uh, talked into staying. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, look, you look at Mookie Betts. I mean, he signed that pretty quick. Uh, you know, when the season started, he already signed that deal. And I should throw out the Los Angeles Angels too. Artie Moreno, the owner, loves big names, so I went through the uh, through the Angels in that mix as well. We're talking with Bob Nightingale here on 101 ESPN. Last question that I've got for you, Bob. This is obviously the headliner right now because Francisco Lindor is currently available, but next year's shortstop class as a whole is loaded with Carlos Correa and Trevor Story. Uh, there's guys all over the place that could potentially be available. Do you see the Cardinals being a team that would get into that market if it is a 10 years, 300 plus million for any of those guys? Or do you think that it is just philosophical organizationally that they are not going to go into those waters with that type of term on these kinds of players? Yeah, it's a philosophical thing. You know, also, you know, go after Nolan Arenado. He's certainly available. He's making 35 million a year. I mean, you know, to be honest, the Cardinals have as much money as anybody, you know, with the, uh, yeah, and they'll ask money like everybody else. But, you know, when you're selling out a uh, over 40,000 seats a game with the ballpark and village, you know, it's, it's a gold mine. So they, they can certainly spend as much as anyone if they wanted to. But I think just philosophical. 
He's Bob Nightingale. Find his work over at USA Today. Give him a follow on Twitter, at B Nightingale. Bob, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Great scoop yesterday with this Francisco Lindor news that certainly has everybody in St. Louis buzzing. All right, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. You got it. That's Bob Nightingale on 101 ESPN. So the big uh, kind of takeaways there, Jamie, he said it's a 20 to $21 million salary likely for Francisco Lindor next year, and we knew that, but he also said... Listen, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. The Indians are going to trade him. He will be traded by opening day of next year. So it's a matter of where does he go then? He also said he thinks that if he was projecting, the likely extension would be something like 12 years and $300 million. He didn't think it would take much to get him, apparently. Two top 10 types of prospects is kind of the the asking price that he would imagine that it would take. He also added that he has heard nothing, nothing whatsoever about the Cardinals potentially being in on these trade talks and that he believes that it is philosophical that the Cardinals just don't believe in going out and acquiring and paying these types of players that type of money over that type of year uh, uh, of term. Man, that's a lot of frustrating news to hear. <laughs> like Frustrating, but not surprising. Right? Like, no. Yeah. W- were any of us surprised with what Bob said? I, 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 he made it clear that they have just as much ability financially as almost any team in the league to do so, but they choose not to. Tanner asked me something earlier today about what you just said that I think we should get into on the other side because he asked me, is this something that you think, something in your past makes you feel this way about the Cardinals' unwillingness to spend on these types of players? I'll answer that question. We'll get a little bit more into this situation coming up on the other side on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 618. Guys, are you slow learners or what? Yeah. John Mosellock already told us that it's cost-cutting time. What about that is not clear to you? From the 636. BK, quit beating the dead horse. Cardinals will not pay uh, prospects or cash for Lindor on a rental or an extension. Cardinals haven't spent money since Holiday Edmonds or Larry Walker. BK, start thinking with your head, not your heart. So we just talked to Bob Nightingale about his report that Francisco Lindor is officially available. And he told us in no uncertain terms, he will not be Francisco Lindor will not be an Indian to start next season. He's going to be traded elsewhere. And then it comes up to that team as to whether or not they ultimately extend him. Bob Nightingale adding that it would probably take something like 12 years, $300 million to be able to extend him. And he thinks two top 10 prospects, something like that would be the the cost to acquire him. So earlier today, Jamie, we were in the office and Tanner asked me a question. I thought it was a good one. So do you think you do you think you growing up as a Royals fan is part of why you have a tough time watching the Cardinals not spend big money on these free agents? Spent a little bit of time thinking about it. Do you know what he did there, though, right? What do you do? He gave you the fast lane crap sandwich. Because <laughs> he basically just said, you know, you cheer for a team that sucked for so long, you don't know the difference. Yeah, yeah. And you use your emotions. You have these emotional yeah. ties to these players that always end up leaving. Is that part of why you're longing for the team that you so, now cover the crap to do sandwich. the things that your How team was, it? was unwilling? It, it tasted really great. All right, cool. Really, really, really great. So... It is an interesting question. I I think the answer is no, though. I don't think it has to do with the team that I grew up watching and rooting for because I think it's just philosophically, I just truly disagree 
with the, their stance on this. I do. I think that when you have the outlier players, Jamie, it's okay to get uncomfortable. If you've got a guy like Lindor or Harper or Fernando Tatis Jr. whenever he comes up, these guys that are true, legitimate, generational talents, that's where you go to these lengths. You don't do it. You don't go the extra year on Dexter Fowler. You don't give the extra extension to Matt Carpenter. You don't give the three or four year deals to guys like Andrew Miller. You go 10 years on the superstar. And so that's where we just we philosophically disagree on this. And that's perfectly fine. It's kind of the way that I was on the Alex Petrangelo situation that that guy is a blue chip talent. And so for that, if it if it means giving a no movement clause and structuring the deal in a way that maybe you're a little uncomfortable with, I would do that. The Blues don't do that. And that's perfectly fine. Again, it's just a different belief philosophically in how mm-hmm. you want to build your roster. But in an uncapped sport, when they're already spending money, let's not pretend like the Cardinals are cheap all around here. They just don't spend it this particular way. That's where I have the issue. And a guy like Lindor is exactly the type of player that, in my mind, I think you go to that length to be able to bring in. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, look, I think it comes back again to exactly what you just said. It's a philosophy that the Cardinals have. And the number one thing that gets thrown back into our faces when we talk about this is they go, well, well, look at Paul Goldschmidt. And you know what? Yeah, they, they traded for Paul Goldschmidt. They re-upped him. They gave him good money to be here. But the numbers that you're talking about, that's another stratosphere. Like, what did you say? 13 years, roughly what? Yeah, t- he said 12 years for $300 million, So you're talking like $25, $26 million per year. That's a lot of money. It's about the same as the Paul Goldschmidt deal in terms of AAV, the salary. Yeah. The difference, of course, is the years. The years. And that's where that's where everybody gets hung up on, well, look at look at how long they're going to be here. Do you, do you know what the last year is in terms of age that Paul Goldschmidt's going to be here on his current deal? I mean, what, 37, 38? So Paul Goldschmidt has a five-year extension, basically six years total that he's going to play for the Cardinals. His final year in St. Louis, he will be a 36-year-old player in Major League Baseball. If you were to sign a 10-year deal... 10 years. This would be different, of course, than the 12 that we're talking about. A 10-year deal with Francisco Lindor. His final year would be his age 37 season. And you know what else you're getting? The prime. You're getting the best years of his career where he's 27 to 31. The years that you want out of these players. So you're getting that. And then the back end is the same downside that you currently have with Paul Goldschmidt without in the Paul Goldschmidt deal, getting the upside of that front portion of the contract. Let me ask you something here, because it j- literally just popped into my head. Do you think that some of these teams are going to be reluctant to sign those deals based on the fact that the CBA is a year away and that maybe they're going to push for a salary cap? And then at that point, they become handcuffed a little with some of these massive deals? Maybe, but I... I like, I know that's really thinking ahead, I don't even know how right now. I don't know how you would go. You, you'd have more knowledge of this based on what happened in the NHL. How did it work in the NHL oh, where they converted disaster. the salaries into the cap? It was a disaster. What happened was each team was allotted like five or six buyouts and it did not count against anything. So you could just give a guy's walking papers, buy him out, and you had to get under the cap, which was $49 million, Okay. It sounds like that's a lot. When I was in Detroit, our salary was $95 million the year I played. And then the first year I played, then we had a lockout and we had to get to $49 million. So when you look at that, it was a little bit crazy. There was a lot of guys that had to be 
sent packing. But on the flip side of that, you had the Edmonton Oilers and you had a few other teams that were only at like 25, 26 million, and they were forced to come up to like 32 million for a floor. So as guys got bought out, it's weird how it works. They did get re-signed in other areas to teams maybe not as strong, but that teams that had to get to a certain floor to even qualify in the salary cap. But yeah, that first year was a disaster, but it was only because the NHL was really hemorrhaging money. The league itself was not flourishing. They didn't have the TV deals. They didn't have the exposure that they do now, nor the revenue. Baseball is not hemorrhaging money in a non-pandemic year. Right, or or at least... We don't think that they are. Baseball would tell us that I maybe know, they know, are. But yeah, I I think that that's right. I just, I wonder what, like, what do the Dodgers do if they decide to go towards a salary cap? I don't know. But the Dodgers don't seem all that worried about it because they no. just gave Mookie Betts this deal. And they would be the team most um, impacted in a, in a bad way, in a negative way, by going to a salary cap because they've got so much salary already there that they're committed to. And so for the Cardinals, like if you gave this deal to Mookie Betts or excuse me, to Francisco Lindor, you still going into next offseason would have a pretty good situation financially because there's so much money coming off of the books. So that's that's yeah, where you're I have right, a tough because time with 60 million it. comes off the books towards this Francisco Lindor thing. So it's not a wash by any means, but at least it's not a complete gut punch. And next year, if if they decided to go this route, and I think that you guys are right, that are in the listening audience that are texting in, BK, stop it. They're not going to do this. I, I think you're probably right. Sorry, that was mine. Uh, 65780 is the air comfort <laughs> service sex line, by the way. Um, I think you're probably right that they're not going to do this. But if they did, well, basically you're looking at, okay, so Colton Wong was supposed to be $12.5 million. You saved $11.5 million there. If you don't bring back Wayno and Yachty, well, you're saving potentially $20 million there. Well, you're already a plus $10 million, basically, compared to Lindor's $20 million salary next year. So you are still decreasing the payroll compared to what it potentially could have been going into next season Mm -hmm. while bringing in this fantastic player. And then the following year, Dexter Fowler, gone. Andrew Miller, gone. Matt Carpenter, gone. You've got a lot of money. Carlos Martinez, gone. You're taking all of this salary and shedding it while you've got all these guys that you really love coming through the ranks and potentially making it up to the big leagues next year on cheap deals. It just feels like the perfect time to do all of this. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I then talk to people that are in the know and they all seem to suggest, yeah, no, they're not going to do that. Here's an interesting comment from the text line. Okay, 65780, Air Comfort Service text line from the 573. Guys, I'm beginning to think that the Cardinals do not sign the superstars because they want the birds on the bat to be the big name, not the name on the back of the jersey. Now, here's my thoughts on that. Are they right? And because we've talked about the Cardinal way. Talking right? about the texture, is the texture yeah, right? Is the texture right? Because we've talked about the Cardinal way and the culture that they have and how it's become less of the hey, look at me, more hey, look at us mentality. We talked about Rosarena, his flashiness, uh, Tatis Jr., Tommy Pham, maybe some guys that didn't fit into the Cardinal way. And we have questions or we've asked the questions about where does Jack Flaherty fit into this long term? Right. So. We go back to some of the earlier teams when, when John Mosellock was to, took control of the team. They had some flashy guys. They had some big names. But since then, they've had some really, really good baseball players. But have they had the big names, the flashy names? And people that Paul called Paul Goldschmidt. Yes, but he's quietly one of the best players in the league. 
he he's the Tim Duncan, right? Yeah. He, he's the guy that everybody acknowledges is really good, even even underrated, and has been for his entire career. But nobody would be like, man, that guy is the one that you put on the billboards to sell the sport, right? No, nobody would say that. That's the Bryce Harpers, the Fernando Tatis Juniors, and frankly, Francisco Lindor. Those are the guys that you do for that, that you're going to put on the promos for the playoffs to say, hey, come watch this because look at how fun and exciting they are as they're playing baseball. The Cardinals don't have really a whole lot of those guys. They haven't had a whole lot of those guys in recent years. The thing that I would, I think there is something to that, Jamie. I also think in this particular instance, I don't think that's what the hangup is. I think the Cardinals would love to have Francisco Lindor on their team. If he was drafted and developed here, they would have enjoyed the hell out of having him in St. Louis. I just don't think they're willing to give this contract. But that's what I don't understand, because I looked back on some of the names that you sent us last night on 10-year deals, and my first thought was, oh, those were a disaster. But then I went in and I looked at the numbers, and you know, he this is going to be his age 27 season. If you look at like Pujols, for example, if he signs a 10-year deal before his age 27 season, 290 average through the 10 years, 368 on base, 524 slugging, on average 33 homers and 105 RBIs. Yeah, the difference on that years. was he was like 31 when he signed. Yeah, the deal. he signed the contract entering his age 32 season. It's the same with a lot of the other 10-year contracts. Uh, Votto doesn't sign before age 30. Uh, a Rod, the first one he did, but he opted out, and his next one was age 32. And it's the same way with Cano. Cano's contract, if you look at it. He signed By the way, that was a good 31. deal. That it worked was. out. The first, seven, or the first five years, he was really good in Seattle. And then I think Seattle said, okay, we're at the point where it's time to move on. 2019, he was not very good. His power numbers have gone down. And then last year, he had a bounce back year a little bit, but it was a short season, so who knows. So to me, the 10-year deal at age 27, again, I, I, my first thought was no way because I know the history of these. Looking at it, he's 27. All these deals are worth the money looking at them if they sign at the age of 27. The outlier is this player. The Outliers gets to the market really early, is unbelievably talented, plays both ways, is really good defensively and offensively, adds value in every possible way. Jamie, we just saw in the World Series what Mookie Betts meant for the for the Dodgers, oh right? Boy, yeah. He changed it in every aspect. He was amazing defensively, fantastic on the bases, hits for power, hits for average, walks, everything you could want from a baseball player, Mookie Betts does. Heck, he had Kevin Cash so rattled that he pulled a pitcher when he shouldn't have. Francisco Lindor is not as good as Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is a better player. But all of the things, the qualities that Mookie Betts brings to a team, that is what Francisco Lindor also brings to a team. And he's young. And so the age is what really makes the difference here. I'm not in favor of giving a 32-year-old player a 10-year deal because you're already signing up for the back end on the front end of that contract. When you've got a guy that's going to be 27, though, that's when things change for me. That's when I would start getting really excited about it. And it's the same reason why we talked about this with Machado and with Harper. They were really, really young when they hit the market. It's hard to be that player, but they they did it. And now I think this is the next guy that's going to be in that range. He's Jamie Rivers. At, that is Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK. Brought to you by Randy's Jewelry. We make quality affordable. Let's go blues. Let's dive 
Welcome to the Junk Drawer. Jamie Rivers, what do you have for us today, my friend? All right, so we know that in talking about Major League Baseball, the Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Rays specifically, Uh-oh. the big topic we had was how to recognize young talent, right? They're scouting and they're evaluating of young talent. You know what? It maybe wasn't always all that great for the Tampa Bay Rays. They may have turned over some staff maybe after, uh, I don't know, 2015. You know why? They drafted a young man. His name was Brandon Martin. Yeah, recently oh, convicted I, of yeah, killing yeah. three men, um, yeah. including his disabled father. Uh, he did all of this with a baseball bat. This isn't a fun story. No, but <laughs> what I want to do is I want our listeners to know that the Tampa Bay Rays maybe aren't all that great at recognizing talent. Yeah, although apparently he had good bat speed because all three men died. Um, however, <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> maybe not the kind of guy the Cardinals would have wanted in their lineup. So, uh, yeah, so if you're upset about the Cardinals recognizing young talent, could be worse. This is the story that you brought to the table. <laughs> Friday Jamie. the 13th is next week. <laughs> Tanner, buddy. <laughs> I, I thought it was pertinent to the conversation because everybody's like glowing about all, again you know to bring what? people behind the scenes to to peel back the curtain of how this show works. <laughs> Jamie tells me before we go on the air, and it's why I went to him immediately. Hey, BK, I've got a really good story for you today. A little dark, a little dark, but it's gonna come back I, around. I feel like I was honest. Definitely honest. I don't feel like there was the comeback around part of this. <laughs> there, well, there was. I said one. He's got good bat speed. Killed three people with his bat. So just one swing. No, I think it's three swings total. Okay, which tells me he uh, he obviously can has oh, pretty good aim. Wasn't he a pitcher? Uh, let's see here. No, nope, he was a shortstop. Shortstop. Oh. Right-handed hitting shortstop. 27 years old. Apparently he's a switch hitter because he uh, looks like he did it from both sides. He's a right-handed hitter, actually. <laughs> he went the he went wrong side today. <laughs> he was not a very good player in the minors. Really, nope. just not, not good at all. Not a good guy Two, either. 205 batting average and low A. It makes sense why the, the Braves cut their losses there. The Braves? Excuse me, the race the cut race. their losses there. I'm having a bang up show today, boys. <laughs> oh, um, well played. Final <laughs> Finishing things up here in the junk drawer. So I like to find these like outlandishly crazy scientific stories, right? Oh, so plays I was into going your deep persona. Yeah, absolutely. Such a multi-layered individual. Sitting back home at night, yeah. flying up to Oregon and Who just enjoying we? myself. How do we exist? You know, they they've made things open there right. recently. Yes. So, I was looking on CBS News the other night and Jamie scientists have discovered a bizarre hell planet where it rains rocks and the oceans are made of lava. I just sometimes I think about the world and the galaxy and outer space. I don't feel like I have a good understanding of what all is out there right now, <laughs> because if this thing we've been around for thousands of years on this planet and we just discovered that somewhere out there, there is an entire planet that is basically made of lava. It's like 3,500 degrees on the surface, and we just realized that this thing existed. What the hell's out there? Now, is this something that actually exists, or is it just sort of a metaphoric planet, or, or, and you're confused? Or were you watching Star Wars? No, yeah, this is real. That's a good one. 
He thought Sci-Fi Channel was real. <laughs> no, this is from uh, this is a new study that was published from scientists from McGill University. Oh, Canadian too. Must be right. Also the home of Larry Duvernay Tardif. Oh yes, and absolutely. Who's now a doctor? York University and he the Indian the Institute League. of Science Education. It's one of the newest lava planets. It's not even the only one. There are multiple lava planets. Is it out a there. planet or is it just a big lava rock? It's a planet-like thing. Is it flat? Now that's the real question. <laughs> now, if you want to go down a real rabbit hole, Jamie, that's that's the way that you get things started here. Do you guys ever sit back at night in the summer no. and go out and Not look sober. at the stars and think about how insignificant we all are? Not sober. Well, I didn't say that I was sober either. That's a good point. I used to do that actually way up in Canada where we had our lake house. It was like uh, so isolated. And that night it would be so dark outside that the sky would light up. It looked like someone had like Christmas tree lights in the, st- in the sky because the stars were so bright. And at that point, you can kind of get lost in all this. Like, whoa, there's a whole other world out there, man. Jack. Pass me a beer. Yeah, a or, beer. A beer. Or... That's- Anyway. He's Jamie Rivers. I'm not going to let you get yourself into any more trouble. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN from the 314. Hey, BK, what was that player's OBS plus? I don't mm. know, man. From the 314, Sounds what like was the big... exit velo for that guy? I don't know. Don't have answers good to these questions. Good war. WRC plus. What's it stand for, Jamie? <laughs> Weighted runs. Yep. All right. Coming up next, do the Cardinals need to bring back Yadier Molina? Maybe not so much if they actually have this kind of faith in Andrew Kisner. We'll tell you about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. They're comfortable with him being their starter at catcher in 2021. If it comes to that, um, they would probably outfit him with a veteran catcher. Um, so it wouldn't be what you would see from like Molina and Kisner. It would be more like not exactly 50, 50, but there would be more of a, more of a timeshare there catcher. If they look to, uh, Kisner being their, their most often starter. That was Derek Gould with us yesterday here on 101 ESPN. Miss any of the interview? Go ahead and check that out. 101 ESPN.com or the 101 ESPN app with Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. If the Cardinals really are as comfortable with Andrew Kisner, Jamie, as Derek Gould just suggested, does that change the way that you view bringing back Yachty this this offseason? Like, does hmm. does their comfortability, if that is true, if what we just heard from Derek Gould is true and they're comfortable with him as a starter, does it change the need to bring back Yachty going into next season? I love Derek Gould. I thought he had an incredible interview with you guys yesterday, and he always has great information. I have to strongly disagree here with him that the Cardinals like Andrew Kisner so much. And I'm going right back to this season. This season, they had every opportunity. It was a free pass season for everybody you had on your roster because it's the COVID year. We had to, you know, hammer in 50 games or 44 games or whatever the heck it was. I forget now. It doesn't matter. All I'm saying is they had plenty of opportunity to give Andrew Kisner starts. Mm-hmm. Yachty got COVID. He had to sit out for a while. And they went with Wheaties. Matt Wieters on a broken foot got more starts than Andrew Kisner did. In fact, Kisner, what did he even get? Two games? He finished the year with eight games played and 17 played appearances overall. That's nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. And so 
to me, that's a that's a tell. That's a poker tell to me that you don't have all this confidence in this guy. Or why would you not have forced him in the lineup and said, hey, Wheaties, we know your feelings are going to get hurt here because you've been our backup catcher. But this is a time to get this kid some reps. They didn't do it. So I don't believe the story. See, I'm the opposite here. I think it was Schilt just said, I, w- I would rather have the veteran presence and not play the kid right now. Yeah, I agree. Kisner, if they believed in Kisner, th- yes, they probably should have played him. I just don't understand how you can have enough of a sense on what he's going to be at the major league level if he's only had 75 plate appearances at the big league level. And it, it's not even like it's coming a stretch of, you know, okay, Molina's out, he's going to play 10 days. No, it's been, you're going to sit for six or seven, wait till Molina's actually tired and ready to get a day off, and then you're going to go in and you're expected to hit a guy throwing 98 and can throw a nasty breaking ball. I just don't understand how you can evaluate that. And if you don't if you don't believe in him, he should have already been moved. To me, someone has belief in him. I think it's the front office rather than uh, Mike Schilt and his coaching staff. So John Mosaloc talked about this during his Zoom press conference with everybody last week, I guess it was at this point. Here's what he had to say about their belief in Andrew Kisner. Well, I think I would definitely like to see Andrew get more opportunity. Um, you know, 17 at-bats this year, it was, it's hard to make a lot of decisions on that. But, um, you, you know, whatever we do, um, obviously there could be another face in the mix. But as I stated, until we determine what's going to actually happen with our free agents, it, it's it's hard to sort of state what's next. Um, so speaking in hypotheticals, I think I will, will kick that can down the road. Yeah, it's hard to evaluate 17 plate appearances. But that's because your organization made that choice. Did the organization make that choice, though? Or to Tanner's point, did the manager so make what? that choice? Guys, I've been on several teams where the general manager, in situations where the season it lines up the way it did for the Cardinals, is like, hey, Shilty, I understand your feelings on this, but we got to get this kid some appearances because guess what? We may not bring back Yachty next year. You know what Schilt then says? Nope, I'm starting Yachty every game. And when Yachty was out, they did end up, it was about 50-50 between uh, Kisner and Weeders. And I I would have certainly been with you, Jamie. Yeah, I would have gone the like double headers after that. And you would have had Kiz's bat available in the game for when you needed totally a Totally with you. They put him on the taxi squad afterwards. It was yeah. Matt Weeders who was on the active roster and Kisner was on the taxi squad. So I'm with you completely about the way that they handled this all last year. But I do think that the manager, Mike Schiltz, he he lets, and this is not a shot against him, I think this is the way that you have to manage Yadier Molina in some ways. When Yadi wants to play, and he always wants to play, he plays. And so when he's out there, when he is available, he's going to get the vast majority, the overwhelming number of starts. When he's not out there, we've seen this now for a couple of seasons, Mike Schilt likes his veterans, and so he's going to defer to them over the young players, and so he went with Weeders. I think this front office does not like telling the manager who to play. The way that they do it is in the offseason, if the manager is unwilling to go with some of these young guys, they will then take away all of the tools that they yeah, use That's not previously. a recipe for success because it's literally a game of tug of war then all the time. I can tell you from past experience that that never works out in, in well in the fact that the team doesn't benefit from it. Because now, just like we talked about, now if Yachty doesn't come back... What are you left with? You're left with Andrew Kisner. You've got Herrera that's a couple of years away. Mm-hmm. So that's great. You have a star rising in the minors. But now what? And then so now they go and talk about, well, we'll have to maybe bring in another guy. Well, you had the chance last year, even though Mike Schilt likes the veteran guys, 
there's a lot of times that he would have probably rather tapped Kisner on the shoulder to go up and take an at-bat. Maybe. I don't think that Mike Schilt trusted him. Well, I wonder, I wonder this, too. I wonder if it was one of those scenarios. Remember, we kept saying, well, Carlson should have made the big league club. And, of course, that was because of team control, even though they deny that. They didn't want to bring Carlson up unless he was going to get consistent playing time. So if you look at the Cardinals, you knew Molina was going to come back in just a couple of days from the COVID list. Maybe they didn't want to have Kisner play because if he struggles, say, in, what was it, maybe maybe a week, Molina was out when it came to that. Yeah, it was about like seven days, something like that. Yeah, so maybe if Kisner struggles and then you just bench him because Molina comes back, who knows? Maybe he takes it as a confidence shot. He shouldn't, but who knows? Well, to me, he's past that point, it, yeah. right? As a development player, he's past that point. And so regardless of whether or not he did well or, or not, it would have been better for his development to be playing at the major league level. Getting those at bats, you know, being in in the grind for these double headers and being able to be tapped on the shoulder to go. I'm not saying he would have performed better than Matt Wieters, but at least you have your succession plan then, because Matt Wieters is not the succession plan to Yachty while you bridge the gap before Herrera becomes guy. Andrew Kisner is the same age right now as Tyler O'Neill. He is older than Lane Thomas. Andrew Kisner is leaving the part where he's a prospect at this point. He's going to be 26 years old next year. The guy that we've been talking so much about, Francisco Lindor, is going to be the same age as Andrew Kisner. Francisco Lindor has played for six years in the major leagues. And this is not a shot against Kisner as a player, but eventually you got to find out whether or not this guy can be a major league player. Because now we're going into next year, age 26 season, right? If they do bring back Yadier Molina. Well, then now you're probably not going to see a bunch of Kisner next year. The following year would be the first time that you really get to see it. Now you're talking about a 27-year-old, for all intents and purposes, rookie. Mm -hmm. You still don't know if he's a capable catcher or not. And so this is the position that I feel like the Cardinals seem to put themselves in, and it's, it's a position of their own doing, where you get these guys that are 26, 27, 28 years old, And you still don't know what you have. And so now you have no value for them really on your roster. And around Major League Baseball, they don't carry the same value in trades because other teams look at it the same way of, okay, so sweet. We've got this 28-year-old dude that we have no idea what he is for us either. I mean, we'll take him as a throw-in in a trade, but he doesn't hold any value for us. A couple of years ago, Kisner was considered one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball. The Cardinals held him, held him, held him. And now they're sitting there and not really knowing is he a trade piece? Is he a starter for us? What exactly do we have here? Or at Til least that's what it feels again, like from the outside. And he becomes Randy Rosarena. <laughs> it's possible. And I, I mean, I'm being I'm being a jerk, but I'm just saying because like, Randy Rosarena also 25 years old this year, I think, an older rookie as well. Yeah, and look and look at the other catcher that was supposed to be the successor to Molina, Carson Kelly, struggled this year, but that first year in Arizona had pretty good numbers. So the Cardinals looked like they might have been right about Kelly. But Malia wanted to play longer, so they said, okay, let's move on from him. I I think... If they can get Paul Goldschmidt for Andrew Kisner, I'll take that deal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you don't have any value in Kisner right now. Very little. But was there much value in Kelly? I mean, Kelly was probably almost the same age, I think. I think Kelly was a little younger, if I'm not mistaken. I can look it up, what but he wasn't was wasn't he rated higher, too, as a prospect? Pretty similar. Like, Pretty su- but I don't, think, I don't think his bat was yeah, Carson well known Kelly, as when Kisner's. he was traded, it was going into his age 24 season. So it okay, was, was two years difference in terms of what he was ultimately. But I don't, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember Kelly ever being known as a guy that had a bat that could play in the majors. Oh, I think Kelly was known as a guy that could at, hit at the majors. That was one of the things that was so weird about him every time that he came up was 
Good he didn't hit. hit for the Cardinals. And it was like, wait, why isn't this translating? Because he did hit pretty well in the minors. But then when he got up to the majors, it was like, why isn't this? The difference, of course, is that with Kisner, he's known for his bat. Kelly was known as a pretty good defensive catcher who also could hit a little bit. It's the opposite here with Kisner. He is known as a guy that absolutely that there isn't a question about his bat. It's about whether or not the glove plays behind. It's behind, behind the, plate, the plate. Yeah. With Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 11:13. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, let's get into some Sunday slate quick hitters. What is the toughest game to pick this week? What is the most likely upset of the week? And among the non-quarterbacks in the NFL, who would you pick today as your MVP of the first half or so of the season? We'll get into all of that Sunday slate NFL quick hitters coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. By now, I said it's 11:13. It's not. It's it's 1:13. It's now 1:18. <laughs> Your time check, nonetheless, is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I've had a great Where show. They today. sell you watches that work until the right time. <laughs> yeah, they they are much better. They will keep you informed of what time it is in a way that I simply am incapable of doing. All right, let's go through some NFL quick hitters for this Sunday slate. Jamie, all right, we do our fast lane Rizzuto show pick'em challenge. I'm not actually a part of it. You are. And I wondered, what is the game this week that you are having the most trouble picking? What's the one where you're going back and forth, back and forth? You weren't here yesterday to talk to our guy, Benny Heiss. Yeah, What's well, the game? I had a bone to pick with him, too. What happened? He led me down the wrong path the week before, and I got nailed. With the Ravens Steelers? Yeah. Well, the Ravens at home and all this stuff. That's not how he sounds. No, it isn't, actually. He's much better than that. What's the game this week, Jamie, that, like the Ravens versus the Steelers last week, which you picked completely incorrectly you should have been listening to me all along telling you that the Steelers are the second best team in the AFC what's the game this week that you're having the most trouble with well Brandon I've got two of them that jump out at me okay uh the number one game that is causing me some fits right now after last week's performance (laughs) is the Ravens and the Colts both teams at five and two I don't know what to make of the Ravens anymore I'm not sure if they're good or if they're mediocre uh so that one there it's got me teetering so we play the game are we sure right we do are we, are sure? we sure that the colts are any good whatsoever do we do we know for certain know. that the colts are a good football team because i am this is the game that i'm having the most trouble with as well because you know i always look at the vegas lines and i'm like what am i missing here why is this line where it is right now the ravens are only a one and a half point raven or favorite now, they're on the road, so that's part of this, but it's not like it's a 60,000-person crowd that we would typically see in Indianapolis. The Colts win so far this year, Jamie. The Vikings when the Vikings were atrocious. The Jets, they beat the Bears by eight points. The Bengals and the Lions. Do we think any of those teams are very good? Because I don't. I don't know what this Colts team is all about. I don't love their receiving core. I don't love their running game right now. They have a fantastic offensive line. The defense is fine it's solid it's Mm -hmm. pretty good i think that the ravens are going to come out and they're going to have a massive rebound week this week vegas is telling me otherwise but i feel really good about the ravens this week well i ended up picking the ravens in this one and for those exact reasons was i did go back and look at the colts victories and i thought to myself oof like if this was college football their their strength of schedule would not be very favorable to them so that's why I leaned Ravens. What's now, the other game that you're struggling the with? The other one, which is weird, 
is the Raiders and the Chargers. Same. It's the same one that I'm also having like issues I've with. Like I've got, I'll tell you right now. As of right now, I have the Raiders picked in this game. And now, and I don't know if any of these fines and all this stuff are going to have any impact from you know whatever that they're doing. Uh, but apparently, they have at least one player that's out. Starting tackle, he's a good one too, Trent Brown. Yeah, and listen, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. I think he's awesome. And I've just every time I have the chance to doubt the Raiders, I feel like I do. And then when I go with them, it bites me. And so I have them picked right now. I don't know. Sell me otherwise. So here's the here's the reason to pick the Chargers. They have the better quarterback. I think they have the better weapons. And I think they have the better defense. So when you're just looking at it in terms of who is the better team, I actually think the answer to that question is the Chargers. They also don't know how to win. So this is where it becomes really difficult. They should have beaten the Broncos, but they didn't. They played a really good game and played it really close against both the Saints and the Bucks. They lost both of those games. They played the Chiefs as well as just about anybody has this year. In the end, they lost. And so if we're doing a do I think that the Chargers will cover the spread, although it is a pick em, actually, never mind. If this was like a Chargers plus three, I would probably take the Chargers because they have a way of keeping things really, really close and losing in the end. That being said, the Raiders have been able to win a lot of those close games this year where the Chargers have not. So I'm picking the Chargers because I think that they are better but the smart side is probably the Raiders here because they have seemingly learned how to win where the Chargers just haven't yet. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry if Anthony's listening, but the Chargers are the AFC version of the Falcons. Whoa! He's right. I See? fall for both See? of them every year. Whoa! Every year I go into the season because they're super talented and they've got all this glitz and glamour. And they have all the receivers that you could possibly want. The quarterback's going to throw for a million yards. I fall for both of these teams every single season. And... This year, they are mirror images of each other in a lot of ways. I did it a lot last year with Philip Rivers, and him. I I was like, okay, I picked him a lot, and I told you I, that's why I blocked him. Now, so you had the same no more games. family reunions. Although his family comes and everything just goes to and heck, and they have a lot of food that they eat because there's a million of them. Yeah. Um. Pack so those are the games animals. that I think are the most difficult. There's one other that I'd like to bring up: the Bears versus the Titans. Now, I know you're a big fan of the Titans, Jamie. Mm, I, I love know smoking mirrors. I know you are a huge fan of this team. I think that both of these teams are kind of in some ways mirror images of each other, but on opposite sides of the football. I think the Titans have a pretty good offense. I think we know that by now. Derrick Henry's awesome. I think Ryan Tannehill has evolved at this point that we know he's at least a pretty good quarterback. The Bears have a really good defense. I know that to be true. I have no idea what to make of the Bears offense. I'm pretty sure it's bad. And I have no idea what to make of what we've seen so far this year from the Titans defense. I'm pretty sure that's also bad. So it is like movable force versus immovable object. I don't know what to do with these two teams. And I think that I'm going to take the Titans because I think they're a little bit better. And I'm going to go with the team that I trust to score. But this is probably the game that I think is going to be the closest of all of these. Yeah. Look, I still think the Titans are smoking mirrors against good teams in the NFL, but that's against good teams. And although the Bears defense is solid and play really well, they're a disaster on the other side of the ball. They don't know who the heck's playing. What Now they don't even have Risky Trubisky to hand the ball off to anymore. So, yeah, I picked the Titans on that one. How about this one, though, for yeah. spark your interest? And I found myself spending more time than I should have on this one. The Cardinals and the Dolphins. 
I I have a lot of faith that the Cardinals are going to win this game. I think the Cardinals are good. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they're on that like second tier with the Bills, for instance. They have a better quarterback than the Bills do, at least in my opinion. I really like Kyler Murray. I think they're on that second tier right now in terms of the real contenders. I do not view the Dolphins that way. I know, but every time we say that, they go out and win. What was that one, two, two weeks ago? Fitzmagic came in before Tua, and they blew the doors the off. The 49ers, I'm yeah. I'm like, well, what the heck just happened? So the, the Dolphins have a pretty good defense, and Brian Flores is a tremendous football coach. I don't trust Tua in this game yet. I want to see it from Tua first. I well, I watched the Rams game last week, and he was not very good. He wasn't accurate. I mean, he didn't look comfortable to me. So I, I don't. Well, I also had Aaron Donald breathing snot rockets yeah. down his back every time. That's that's fair too. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't have faith in Tua. So I I would say Arizona would. I think Arizona will blow Miami out. I I think Miami will get a rude awakening when they take on Arizona. See, their cor- the Dolphins' corners are just so good that I think the Cardinals are going to have a tougher time scoring in this one than. Than we expect going into it. I think it'll be like twenty to seventeen, and the Cardinals win it. But I do think it's close, Jamie. I, I don't it just, think, like I said, it took more time than it should have. I did take the Cardinals, but you know what, guys? Interesting fact: Did you know it's going to be a historic game when they play each other? Did you know that? Tell us why, Jamie. It's the first time ever in NFL history two number one jersey quarterbacks will be facing each other. Is that true? I think so. I heard Patrico say it on the Riz show this morning. So, he's so you're got, just assuming that his facts are correct. It's got to be right. I mean, it's the Riz show. They never lie. All right. NFL quick hitters edition for the Sunday slate. Who is the most likely team, Jamie, right now that is currently under 500 to make the playoffs this year? So we'll give you a few of the examples, a few of the teams that this could apply for. The Patriots, the Bengals, the Texans, Broncos, and Chargers in the AFC. Those are the five. In the NFC. You've got the Lions, the Vikings, Panthers, Falcons, 49ers. Of those teams, who do you think is most likely? Those are all teams under 500 right now. Who do you think is most likely to make the postseason? And I'm taking out the entire NFCs because somebody's going to be forced. Yeah, what are you doing? It's like the Eagles are going to get in there. (laughs) Somebody's going to be forced out of that division to be able to make the playoffs. But out of these teams that I just mentioned, who do you think is most likely to make it? And this really applies if they go to the eight teams in the playoffs for each each division. Yeah, I think. For each conference, rather. I think because the NFC East is just so garbage that it opens it up for for that conference and if so I know it's it might sound crazy but they're getting Christian McCaffrey back I think the Carolina Panthers have an outside chance at being that team That's kind of what I was thinking too was Carolina because I like if McCaffrey comes back I, I think was it Ben Heiss said yesterday yep. that he, they were going to wait and see because they're kind of in a rebuild. They wanted it's, him to be 100%. It sounds like he's going to be back this week based on the report that I just saw a little bit ago. So I, I would expect Christian McCaffrey to play against the Chiefs. But yeah, they're they're my team. They're the team I would kind of keep an eye on. Bridgewater's looked okay. At some points he struggled, but he can sling the ball. And their defense, it is young, but Jeremy Chin's played really well. Uh, I really like him, and not just because he's from went to Southern Illinois. That kind of gives me yeah, a little bit. I was wondering when that was going to come Strong in there. Chin. Hey, I didn't go there, though, so. I think that the answer is the Raiders. I can't believe that I'm saying this. I just said I don't think they're a very good team. I really don't think that they are. But listen to the schedule coming up. It's a toss-up, at least, against the Chargers. And they very the well Raiders may win that Raiders aren't under game. 500. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. They're 4-3. and three. What's wrong with you today? What am I doing? What is wrong with you What today? am I doing? Give us a Clarkson time check. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1047 somewhere. <laughs> what am I doing? 
What is happening here? I have no idea. The correct answer here, of course, take two, is the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings are still in play for making the playoffs, and I know that that's crazy to say, but look at their schedule coming up. The Lions, the Bears, Cowboys, Panthers, Jags. That's their next five games. They're still in this, boys. I know it doesn't feel that way right now as they're 2-5, and five, 100% definitively under 500 currently. That's the team that I would go with, obviously. All right, last one here, Jamie, as we kind of go with these NFL quick hitters going into the Sunday slate. The MVP among non-quarterbacks right now, in your opinion, is who? Uh, Kamara in New Orleans. I think that he's been amazing. Not going Justin Herbert here? He's well, a- <laughs> you almost bit on that one. Spit the hook out, Tanner. He's trying to pull you into his vortex today. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think for me, I think he's been kind of disrespected, actually, when it comes to that, because talked about it earlier in the week, how Derrick Henry was all that and, and a bag of chips because he was playing Tennessee, but we forgot about this guy who's just crushing it. So I think Alvin Kamara, for me, is definitely that guy. I, I don't even think that they're competitive in the NFC South if they don't have him. Because he's been the only weapon for Drew Brees, basically. Uh, to me, well, he's the MVP. Well, because Drew Brees is the only guy he can pass. He can't get it past <laughs> 10 yards. <laughs> uh, that, that's fair, too. But without Thomas, he's really struggled, and Kamara's kind of bailed him out. To me, he's the MVP among non-quarterbacks. I think that the other guy that I would throw into the mix, because I do think you're right, I think it is Alvin Kamara. If you had to go somewhere else, I would go with the guy that we saw last night, Devontae Adams. I mean, mm. if you look at what the Packers are doing this year offensively. That's no. what I thought, too. <laughs> Although that would have been a good one. Uh, if you're looking at what the Packers have done, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been incredible this season. 24 touchdowns, two interceptions through his first eight games. That is vintage Aaron Rodgers types of numbers. And he's only throwing it really to one guy. He's had so far 53 receptions. Devontae Adams had second on the team this year for the Packers is Tanyan with 24 He has more than double the second leading receiver on the team. Devontae Adams does. He has eight touchdowns on the season. I think he is going to end up going uh, as we go forward here. He said last night he thinks he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's going to be able to make a claim to that if he continues on this type of a path. He's only played in six games, by the way. He missed two games. So the, the numbers that he's putting up is absolutely ridiculous this season. I think the answer to the question is... Um, Alvin Kamara, but the second place guy to me right now would be Devontae Adams, given what he's done for that team. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. It's a Friday. That means time for One Gotta Go coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four option. We tell you which one has to go. It is one got to go on 101 ESPN. Let's start with this one, Jamie. One got to go. This comes from the 314 State Edition. Uh-oh. Florida, New York, California or Texas, Florida, New York, California, or Texas. One got to go, Jamie Rivers. Okay, so I actually love New York, especially New York City. Love it there. Played in New York and always talk about going back there. So New York staying. California, love California too. You got the ocean there, the nice West Coast waves. I know you got the ocean with the bottom of Texas and Florida, but for me, Florida's got to go. Florida's got to go right now. Texas, you can't go wrong there. You get your cowboy boots on. You ever been to Texas? Been to Dallas? I've been to Dallas, yes. I've, I've lived in Houston for three months. There you go. 
Love Houston. Love One of the best food scenes that you could possibly have. Yeah, lo- I love Texas. I've been there several times. I uh, also played in Florida. Um, if I have to drop one, Florida's got to go. Let's see. I think I've only been to Florida, so I'm going to keep... By the way, that's a bad decision. Go I'm going to keep Florida. Just watch yourself, young man. <laughs> uh, I'll keep California because I kind of want to go to Los Angeles. I'll keep New York because I want to go see the Statue of Liberty. I'm getting rid of Texas. It's got to go. Wow, that's going to leave a big hole down there. <laughs> I think that the correct answer here is New York. Why? I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Why? Do you like beaches or not, Jamie? They got beaches I'm in New York too. I'm a fan of beaches. New York I has like Jones beaches Beach. that I can go Long to Island. almost all You ever all been year. there? I've been there. I've never been there, See? Jamie. Talk you about know beaches. what I can't go there though is December. You can go you to California. You know where I like going to the beach or when I like going to the beaches is December. I can go out to California at any time of the year. SoCal, I'm going to the beach. I can go to Florida any time of the How year. How many beaches I can go do to you the need? Beach. Well, at least three of them, apparently. Well, I mean, you've got beaches with California, New York, and Texas down in the oh, Gulf of Mexico. California has a little bit of everything. I've got the mountains out there. So I've got the desert out there. I've got, huh? You're getting rid of New York. Yes. You've changed. What does New York have outside of the city? Oh my god. What do they bring to the table? Oh my god. Buffalo? Goodness. Niagara. I've Wait, got Buffalo Falls Niagara everywhere. Falls? Or Buffalo. I've got Falls. Buffalo sauce everywhere. <laughs> you might today. You might today. Niagara Falls is awesome. Yeah. I've been to, oh, I guess I have to been to, to New York. Falls. The Canadian side is a little nicer. It is. I, I can confirm that. Yeah. I've been to the Canadian side way yeah. better. Really? Yes. Much better. Definitely. Yes. yes. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for one gotta go. One gotta go pizza edition. Margarita style pizza. Veggie pizza. Sausage or pepperoni? Margarita, veggie, sausage, or pepperoni? Wait, Jamie what's, Rivers. What's margarita? What's margarita? like the saw? It's like the tomato, and I don't know. You describe. I know what it is. But a little it, bit of mozzarella. You got yeah. a basil. You uh, like big slices of tomato. Oh, on okay. It. Yeah, okay. All right. So this one's easy for me. The veggie pizza's got to go. If I want veggies, I'll order a salad. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I got nothing more. Veggies beat it. Go get get back in your salad bowl. I agree. I'd get a salad if I wanted veggies on a pizza. Meat lovers, I know that's not an option, but yeah, the that, more that meat, wasn't one of the four. The more, no, the more but... meat, the merrier. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I was wondering when that was coming. Uh, the answer here is sausage. <laughs> sausage pizza is not that good. It's just not. It, it's I'm good. See, I pick you for a sausage guy. What? Sausage pizza's got to go. Margarita is tremendous. If you've never had a good margarita pizza, uh, Tanner, get on it, man. Go, go, go out to... For real, actually, you'll love it. If you get it done right with the crust and all that stuff, just done in like the wood, the, the pizza oven. Oh, baby. Have you ever been to Louie, Jamie, in Clayton? No. They make some tremendous pizza. Go out, go get yourself some Louie pizza. Get the margarita. Tell them that BK sent you. you you'll be taken care of over there. Uh, next one up. One got to go. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. French fries edition. Mm-mm. Are we going curly fries, waffle fries, steak fries, or shoestring style fries, Jamie? You know what? I just one had go. a recent experience with this again as I, I tried the curly fries the other night. I'm just not a curly fry guy. Really? I don't like the seasoning on it. Um, like, I like it for a couple, but then when I get, like, halfway through the order, I'm See, like, that's my I'm top, over it. that's my top choice of all of these. Yeah, no, I'm over it. And then so the waffle, steak, and shoestring, I feel like I can dress those up appropriately. <laughs> if I want to throw a little spice on there, you know, a little seasoning, I can. But now, nah, curly fries got to go. See, I think I would get rid of waffle fries. I don't mind curly I'm fries. With you. You're I not think... American. I'm with you. Waffle what? fries clearly no got to go. It's election week. I figured I'd just throw that out there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think waffle fries go. They're just, they just, they're weird. Why are they they're weird? Weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but a curly fry I can at least, you know, make it straight. Too much surface area, not enough crunch to them. Waffle fries yes. are never crunchy enough. I'll That's take the that problem. too. You're just not getting them cooked at the right place. Well, apparently, but I. I love everything about Chick-fil-A, except for the waffle fries. The fries there are the not thing good. I like from Chick-fil-A. Really? Well, I do what like do the uh, I like the chicken wrap, too. It's good with the avocado lime oh, ranch so, dressing. So you like the Ow. chicken from Chick-fil-A. Okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. It's a, it's a chicken wrap. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for One Gotta Go. One Gotta Go Muffin Edition. Are you going? Blueberry, banana nut, apple cinnamon, or chocolate chip. That's blueberry, banana nut, apple cinnamon, or chocolate chip. One's got to go, Jamie. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to where I feel like there's a certain taste that's just overwhelming for too long. And for me, the apple cinnamon, I, after a bite, okay, two bites, I'm just not into it anymore. It's like the curly fry. It's just too much of one thing. Blueberries are phenomenal. Banana nut, well, you can't turn that. And chocolate chip, come on. That's a staple when it comes to muffins. So for me, apple, cinnamon, muffin, yeah, you're gone. Why are you so bad at this game? I don't even think I've had an apple cinnamon. See, exactly. That sounds really good. Because that sounds, they that sounds, suck. No, but that sounds Nobody kind of good. Nobody makes them because they can't sell well, those that, damn things. To me, that sounds kind of good. The blueberry, ugh. No way. Apple cinnamon is a paperweight. are the worst. They're the worst. I agree, I BK. Even, I... I like blueberries. Blueberry muffins are just boring, man. You're telling me you could get a banana nut, an apple cinnamon, chocolate chip, and you're like, nope, I got to get the blueberry muffins Mm, over here. Blueberries. Get out of here. You're not actually making that decision. I don't believe you. You're lying. 100% every day, all day, twice on Sunday. 65780 from the 573. Who the bleep eats muffins? Do you guys not eat muffins? Muffins are fantastic. Yeah. It's it's probably the good. second best Jamie's breakfast. Jamie's not a muff guy. Not a muffin guy. Oh, no, I am. It's not the muffin Blueberries. man. Blueberries. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for one's got to go. One got to go Cardinals big contract edition. Matt Carpenter, Dexter Fowler, Andrew Miller, or Carlos Martinez. One's got to go big time Cardinals contract edition. Carp, Fowler, Miller, or Carlos? Yes. Oh, I got to pick one. That's okay, correct. sorry. Um... If I'm going with this one here, I think that I am getting rid of Andrew Miller's. And the reason I'm doing that is I feel like the bullpen has enough guys that can do his job. I know Carp, we got guys who can do his job. But right now, uh, with Colton Wong gone, you're going to need him at some point. So Matt Carpenter serves a per- Dexter Fowler. I'm actually just fine with Dexter Fowler. It is what it is. You know what you're getting. And Carlos Martinez. Well, we're still hanging on by our fingertips for all those once every 20,000 appearances that are fantastic. So for me, Andrew Miller's out. That's why I'd move on from C-Mart. That's the one that has to go because I'm tired of us, me walking into work. Oh, let's talk about C-Mart. He wasn't very good again. <laughs> is he a starter? Is he in the bullpen? Let's, you know what? Let him go. I can handle talking about Carpenter not hitting the ball. You know why we you don't talk about bench. Andrew Miller, though? There's no question. Like, we know he's not all that good anymore. <laughs> exactly. At least with Carlos, there's a question. It's like, man, could he just regain some of that form? We know Andrew Miller's not getting there. So the correct answer here, Jamie, you're right on this one. Hey! You're bad at the game, but you were good on this I'm, answer. According to the text line, they like me in this game. Andrew Miller's got to go. That is not accurate, Jamie. That Somebody says, I love that Jamie proves every Friday that opinions actually can be wrong. Okay, what about the, the one that says, Jamie, I feel sorry for you being surrounded by the coworkers you have. Or from the 509, well, why is BK even allowed to play this game? Mm, Jamie, okay, I can't read that one. 
or from the 314. Guys, is BK's father Skip Bayless because that's the career path that he's on. Skip makes good money. Skip makes like $6 million a year, He had guys. the bling out today, too. He had the big necklace on. He's just flaunting it. Now, to be very clear, I couldn't do his job. I couldn't. It seems exhausting to, to do what he does every day. Um, seems like you kind of do it anyways. <laughs> Jamie Rivers. He's Tanner Hendrickson. <laughs> I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over. Coming up next, we'll see if Jamie's still here. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We are saying thanks to the St. Louis area education employees with Hubbard Radio's Deserving Deliveries. They are back, and today is the first of several upcoming Deserving Deliveries put together by 101 ESPN, Hubbard Radio, St. Louis, and Scott Credit Union. 100 lunches are being delivered today to the teachers and the staff at Parkway Central Middle School by Super Smokers Barbecue. Where is our next deserving delivery headed to next Friday? You can nominate your favorite school staff now at 101ESPN.com. A huge thanks to all of the area educators and staff working hard through these extraordinary times. Cross things over with the fast lane. Anthony Stalter in studio. What's going on, bud? What's up, boys? Antonio! You look well, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you very little. Came on, coming off the uh, the day off? Yeah, day off. Yeah, it was great. Sat back, kicked my feet up. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> it was you a know long day. He had 17 day. other jobs that he was working on yesterday. It's a long day. It was a long day. Then I got back here. BK was on his game today. I was not on my game Coming today. Coming in hot today. Maybe the worst show I've ever had. No. What's going on? Psh, trust me. No. I don't know. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I pulled a stalter. I asked a question in our interview with Colton Pareko that has already been asked. Right after. <laughs> Could have been better. You've been there. You know how I feel currently. Yeah, it's uh, not a great feeling. At least yours was with John Clayton. Mine was with Colton Pareko, who's well, pretty good gets. Were you also uh, watching a game, hoping that a pivotal moment... <laughs> Would lead to a potential overcash. Is for that you? what happened? That's there? what happened. Yeah, <laughs> <It> was, uh, <laughs> dialed so, in. It was a baseball game. I think it was. I think the Phillies were playing, and Harper was up with the bases loaded, and I had the over, and didn't realize that uh, that VT asked the, the Alvin Kamara question to John Clayton. So yeah. when it circled back around to me, I asked about Kamara. I thought it was a very and fair VT question. was like, "No, yes, that." So uh, Jamie asked what I thought was a tremendous question. I just didn't hear it asked. Um, about how much uh, he's learned and what he has learned from Alex Petrangelo, what the lessons are that he's going to take. And, and he other guys, to, right? Because yeah. I said when I played for the Blues, I learned from Al McInnes and, and in Detroit with Nick Lidstrom and all that. Like, you always pick up something. And I said, so in your time with the Blues, you know, what players, the veteran guys that came before you, what, what did you learn from them? And, and also Alex Petrangelo, now that you can use moving forward. Yeah, and I, uh, I just made it more specific. That's what I tried to do. I really wanted to hone in <laughs> on specifically what he had learned from Alex Petrangelo. So I was, 
I was preparing some of the questions. We wanted to play the one gotta go game with uh, with Pareko, so I was putting together a few of the things that we would ask him about, and right. I I missed his question. Uh, it happens. It, it shouldn't. It doesn't. Did he uh, answer? Did yeah? Or did he, he, he or was, did he say? You know he actually cold. he got two crap sandwiches today because Pareko gave him a, a half a, a half a crap sandwich. You know how Pareko is though. He's like the nicest guy in the world, yeah. so he's never gonna be like, yeah, I, I literally just answered that question. Right. There are certain uh, guests that we probably had that would have answered it that way he did not he was super gracious well like i said he specifically said it that way yeah. he said well yeah kind of like i said earlier <laughs> <laughs> that's always the best too because if you hear that you're like son of a and then we uh i asked jamie i formatted the question of which team currently under 500 has the best chance of making the playoffs in the nfl okay i uh i went with the raiders who are four and three right now ah uh, <laughs> He outlawed the Eagles. I prepped the question. Picked yeah. the Raiders. <laughs> In the rundown, I was the one that put down, here are the teams that you can choose from. The Raiders were not on that list, and I went with them anyways. Okay. I've been great today. Hey, but hey, you know had, what? Listen. At least he got the Clarkson time check right. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. At 113. 113. I said it's 11:13. <laughs> your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. I've I've been on my game today. You're distracted man. today. Something's going on. Don't know Something what's big this weekend is happening for you. It's and- my birthday on Monday. Well, there you go. Oh. That's what's going on. Yeah. What are you, 22? Uh, 28 this time around. Wow. Yeah, I'm getting up there. I'm an old man. I'm an Big old man. Pants. Okay. Hoping to buy a house next year, getting married. Wow. Your kids will be eventually down the road. I'm uh-huh. officially old. No, they are. That's the easiest All part. All of that stuff you just said. It's Have all as many easy. kids as you want. It's great. Yep. It's easy. It sounds that way. What? Stoltz, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane? We are going to talk about Colton Pareko and whether or not he learned something from Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> since you guys didn't cover that. I mean, honestly, I we, we got you have multiple answers to be able to choose from on that specific <laughs> question. So I'm sure you got a good quote. No, we're going to talk to Danny Mack. We'll, we'll talk more uh, about the Cardinals and what they will and probably won't do. We got our NFL predictions. I'm I'm 3-0 in the Stalter Lock of the Week, so we'll hand out another one this week. Look to get to 4-0. The Stalter Lock of the Week. So that's all coming up. Well, our text line's excited for you guys to be able to uh, come up from the 618. BK, you've certainly had much worse shows from the 573. I missed half the show. I'm going to just keep powering through here. (laughs) I missed half the show, and BK definitely sucks today. And somebody keeping me honest from the 618, you also screwed the time up. Don't forget that. Thank you guys for listening today. We will be back on Monday. My birthday, a reminder, it is my birthday on Monday, so be very kind to me. For Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie, we'll be back on Monday. The Fast Lane's coming up next. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.